right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 120 of the Whatever He Show. Um, we've got a big one tonight. It turns out there is still news. Like, they haven't quarantined all the news quite yet. Wait, what? No, it's it's still happening. Things are still happening. It's really kind of surprising to we me, too. We have news. Yeah, there's news. There's stuff to talk about. Um, it actually should be a fun show. Um, I, I, we got a lot of... Man, this one really runs the gamut, even for us. Like, we're, we're all over the place here. But it should be fun. Yeah. So before we get super like balls deep into the show, um, I do want to give a, a big shout out to Ninkasi Brewing. Um, I've been throwing up, uh, you know, just you know, beer pictures on the uh, on the old Instagram, uh, the, you know, featuring their beers and nice frosty glasses and whatnot. And they actually gave us a shout out, and then. Uh, one of the photos that I put up there uh, of me uh, with the Tricera Hops actually made their uh, quarantine beer uh, slideshow that they put up uh, this weekend. So very nice. Props and Nkasi. I appreciate the shout out and thusly will repay it in kind. Yeah. Also, they just make really good beer. Like that's one of my favorites um, in Oregon. We're lucky to have no dearth of like really good breweries, but Ninkasi's up there for me. Um, also I should say, uh, pretty soon, maybe it's only in Oregon you can get it. Cause we, you know, we're basically now Cascadia. Um, I, there's a lot of secessionists out there that just got an erection. That's definitely going to last for more than four hours because, um, apparently since the government, the federal government's not going to do its job, uh, um, Oregon, California, and Washington are getting together instead, uh, uh, to do their job. So yeah. Anyway, um, welcome to secession. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully we can still import barbecue sauce from Texas. We'll see. Um, should be tricky. Um, I'd probably make my own. I, I think this might actually be how we get our, our brown coats. We do get the brown coats from the secessionist movement, I think, was a thing. Is that right? Yeah. Can, yeah. Yeah. The, the brown coats were secessionists. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, because the announcement uh, that Trump said, you know, he'll decide when, the, when everything reopens um, has not only irritated those um, on the left of the political spectrum, but uh, a lot of people on the right are unhappy with that, too, since the uh, the right wing conservative group is usually the oh, yeah. my, you know, my, states my, have the right to discriminate uh, people, you know, and so on. You know. um, I also love those those typically be the you know small government don't tread on me people. So when Trump stands at the podium and says, I abs I have absolute authority as president, that one might have rubbed some people the wrong way. Yeah, it did. It did. I actually have some friends on on uh, social media that uh, that are definitely a lot more uh, to the right of the spectrum than I am that are just as pissed off as any of us. Wonderful. So that's that's fun. I, I like that. Finally, there is he, he's he's he was correct. He's bringing unity to the country uh, in really hating him and thinking he sucks. So it's nice. Uh, yeah. But yeah, should we get some fun stuff in the in the show? I think we should get to the fun stuff. Um, aside from you know Cascadia, um, don't worry, we'll invite you. We're uh, uh, over some time other states, uh, but for now we are keeping all the good breweries. Um, and 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 California's money. That's the important part. Well, yeah, I know. We, Oregon and Washington would probably be mostly screwed on our own because uh, you know unless grass seed suddenly becomes super edible. Uh, um, well, I guess they got yams and shit in, uh, in Washington, and we do farm stuff around here. But, yeah, I, I think the California money thing is going to be the big thing here. I mean, 
the burgeoning economy is probably going to be helpful and, and California brings in a fuck ton of money. So, or, you know, we can just always make a pact with new England, which it sounds like is off also shooting off on their own similar States thing going on with uh, New York and so on and so forth over there. But yeah, like I was saying, fun things, fun things. Um, so we've got a lot of time on our hands for obvious reasons. Well, you and I, not so much more than average, but um, we've, we're essential. Yeah, we're essential. But we, you know, the news is going to dry up, I think, a little bit at some point, especially when it comes to TV. Like we haven't really started to process this, but you know, it's normally happening right now. People are writing scripts and filming episodes of TV. Maybe those strips, scripts are still getting written, but the TV episodes are not getting filmed. So some point, probably after all this lockdown quarantine shit has left us, um, we're going to get a whole bunch of shitty to non-existent TV. Um, then we're definitely going to need stuff to talk about. Um, but in the meantime, we've decided we're going to go ahead and uh, do a, a MCU rewatch. That's the Marvel Cinematic Universe for you plebs that should Correct. probably be listening right now. Uh, we we uh, decided we're going to go through each movie and talk about it in kind. We'll probably stream this online in some form or fashion. We're still working out the kinks on that because, you know, uh, between our general tech nerdery and having a legit IT person on the staff, we, we haven't quite cracked that nut yet. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a... That's a, a code that is yet to be yeah, cracked. I don't know, which is funny. I should probably just call Jack Aaron here and ask him because he's, you know, watching nothing but, you know, like 10 year old streamers all day. So whatever. Um, but yeah, we're going to start watching the MCU movies. We'll try to announce some uh, time frames when we're going to watch those things. So if you want, you can watch along and discuss. Right now, I think we're mostly talking about streaming it on Twitch just because that seems to be the easy way to go where you can also get some interaction in there. But if you have suggestions, you can always send them to questions at whatever.co and uh, we'll check it out. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And likewise, any comments uh, and or commentary you'd like to add to our um first one of these which obviously is going to be iron man so uh, that's going to be happening probably within the week i'm going to say i think so you know no later than probably this weekend i think is, is what's going to happen um yeah oh you could also hit us up on twitter too we're going to probably mention this at the end too but uh at whatever show on twitter um if you've got any thought processes or uh things you want to share on that front we'll be happy to listen and, and give them consideration so um yeah that should be fun I, I look forward to you know more projects and stuff like that as we get further into this whole shenanigans we're doing here called a podcast so um yeah but let's let's dig into some media so so open us up here you had a recommendation for me um that had hit my radar but quickly left and i forgot even though i really want to watch this so uh yeah absolutely this has been in my queue for a long time uh haven't actually gotten around to watching it but uh until just recently um you know, when a friend of mine uh had started watching it and, and just sending me random texts about how great it is. Um, I had seen the first couple episodes and then it promptly started watching other things because, you know, life happens. Uh, what I'm talking about is Cobra Kai, um, which is basically probably the, and I, I, I think I texted Eddie this earlier, um, the one of the more honest and true sequels that, that have happened. Obviously, we had Karate Kid 2 and 3 and the next Karate Kid and then Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith Karate Kid, but um, Cobra Kai actually follows the two uh, main rivals from the original Karate Kid, uh, Johnny and uh, Danielson, uh, in their respective lives, you know, 30 years since the OG movie and whatnot. And uh, it's honestly really good because there's a lot of parts um, throughout the series where you're kind of wondering, like, who the true villain is, because on one hand, you got Danielson, who was the original good guy mm -hmm. 
and Johnny with the, as, as the original bad guy. And then, you know, you flash forward 30 years later and you can't help but kind of think that Daniel has turned into a douche as time <laughs> has gone by. And Johnny probably still needs to take more responsibility for how his life has been, but you can't help but feel for the guy a lot of the time. So um, it's, uh, it's good. It's good. Each episode's between 25 and 30 minutes long. I think season two, the episodes get a little bit uh, closer to 30 minutes, but uh, 10 episodes per season. If you got a day and a half and, you know, some, some extra time, you can knock it out. Uh, probably mostly okay uh, for, for younger audiences. There's uh, there's some coarse language uh, and, uh, and some, some graphic imagery of, of somebody spray painting a dick on a billboard. But that's about it. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'd seen or heard about that being announced, and I wanted to watch it because, you know, same reason we all do, nostalgia. Oh, Jesus Christ. I got to let my dog out. I think he's going to be a dick and make me do this every, every five minutes, so I'll be right back. Yeah, it hit my radar, and I just kind of completely forgot about it, which is unfortunate because, uh, you know, it, it was something I actually was into. Um, I really loved the Karate Kid movies growing up, especially the first one. I mean, it's sort of an iconic 80s movie just for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, I especially dug it. Um, and then, of course, it just they make really, really good mind. use of, of clips. Yeah. Uh, in, in the series. Uh, it's it's really well done, though. I mean, uh, it, and obviously clips from the original movie that you see. Um, and they're, they're done for a reason. And I, and I like that. And, and the crazy part to me is even with a, a shorter episode, the amount of character progression we get is pretty incredible. Cobra Kai, anything else you want to plug in there? No, uh, it just, it's fantastic. And I think anybody who was a fan of the original Karate Kid movie, um, or even this, the second one will definitely appreciate this one and, and should check it out if they haven't already. It's a YouTube red title. So you, you gotta, you gotta be a YouTube red subscriber to, to check it out. Okay. I think, I don't know if I've used my trial on that yet, so I might do that. If nothing else, I just created a whatever he show Twitter, uh, a YouTube account. So, um, so the whatever he show has a trial. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. all right. I threw a link in there to a vanity, uh, vanity fair piece. Uh, it's a first look at Dune. Um, so there's a Dennis Villeneuve movie coming out, uh, of course, uh, uh, based on Dune. This is one of those books that, uh, is basically universally beloved, but also ridiculously hard to capture in a meaningful way, especially in a movie. Like I could see Dune done as a property, uh, much more, uh, well through like a TV show. Like, uh, uh, I, I, I'm kind of concerned about how they're going to capture everything in a movie, but I'm looking really forward to it. I mean, if nothing else. We're talking about an absolutely star-studded lineup, like from writers, directors, casts, everything, everything about this that's coming out just looks fantastic. Um, so I threw this in here. Unfortunately, I didn't even get a chance to look at it myself yet. Uh, clicking, opening, um, but, but you know, everything, oh yeah, that's real good. Uh, yeah, I actually did check it out earlier when I was uh, going over show notes, and it is absolutely um, stunning how polished it looks compared to the original dune but also uh very very much pays homage to um things especially i i mean i assume that first image is uh paul originally you know played by uh, kyle mclaughlin um and then if you scroll down further um you can see duncan idaho um who's who's now being portrayed by jason Momoa, which looks pretty badass um and then you guys in Dea. 
uh, looking looking all deserty and and cool. Is, is she's Chani in this one, so um, this will be this will be interesting. I, I, I'll be honest; I've never actually read the book, but I and, and I'm only like marginally familiar with the original 1984 Dune um, because I think you know I happened to be in the room when my uncle was watching it when I was six or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't blame you for that. I think I've seen portions of the Dune movie. The book it, itself, though, is really a fantastic work of science fiction. Like, uh, um, it, it it informs the genre in so many ways. Like, there's so many books that I've read since that uh, you could tell couldn't have possibly happened without Dune. Uh, it just it gets so much of the thing things right. So yeah, I'm I'm super looking forward to this. Like just seeing you know who they've cast and what they're doing for this movie like there's a lot a lot of money going into this thing and that doesn't necessarily equal hollywood success or a good movie um but given that especially dennis dennis being the director on this one um you know he usually doesn't direct bullshit so uh i I have really really high hopes for the project in total um really you know fingers crossed yeah yeah and i probably will actually check out the book uh before we get to the point where this movie is, is in theaters and, and want to be familiar with it. So I'll, I'll probably read the book and then go see the, go see the show. If, if I recall, I think I listened to the audiobook on audible for this. And if that's a method that's available to you, I'd recommend it. It's, it's actually a really, really good audiobook. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, I don't know how much you're into, like, reading book books, but, I mean, you got a whole shelf of them, so I assume some, somewhere... I, 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 I read a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, for for those of you that are listening that aren't, aren't, like, into reading, like, book books, checking out the audiobook is definitely worth your time. I know commutes are way down, but um, you still got to do the dishes and you still got to, you know, mow the lawn and vacuum and shit like that, and an audiobook is a good time for those types of things. Anyway, the whatever show is brought to you this week by Audible. Audible. No, just kidding. Um, but seriously, hit us up. No, nobody sponsors yeah. us. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I also wanted to talk about this week. Um, the, this last couple of weeks, we in fact might have even briefly mentioned this on the previous episode. Uh, I was watching um, some Star Trek movies, and I know what you're thinking, but no, it's the old ones. It's well, not the old old ones. It's the mid old ones. Um, Star Trek Generations and Star Trek Insurrection. TNG era movies. So. Generations. Um, Generations is the first in the TNG movie series, um, uh, which of course it's it's sh- no spoilers here. But I liked I like the two that I've seen so far. I know Insurrection. I think it's shit on a lot. Or what's the last one? Um, uh, Nemesis. Nemesis. Nemesis is Nemesis the one that's gets, supposed to suck, right? Insurrection and Nemesis both get shit on a lot. Although I did like Insurrection because it was such a low key uh, plot compared to most uh, blockbuster sci fi movies. Yeah um insurrection seemed like it was uh it was more of a sleeper than no there's another one that i watched in between that then what's the one with the borg first contact first contact which is which is which is directed by jonathan frakes and it's hailed as probably one of the better uh i think it's up there with wrath in terms of how how much it's liked yeah that that one actually i think was the my favorite of the series as well which is no surprise because it is almost uh without a doubt the best one i think that's the one that the cast acknowledges as, as sort of the best one of the one uh two uh um but yeah just brief thoughts on each of them for these like 20 year old movies so star trek generations i thought was a pretty interesting way to introduce the thing and also kind of a torch passing situation going on there although calling it generations is, is a little bit misleading because i didn't really think the tos cast had a whole lot to do with that so kirk yeah kirk, kirk did and, and then you know that was that was basically it so um honestly honestly i think the standout in generations was malcolm mcdowell i think his villain in that movie was oh yeah he was super really, good and I, I get shit all the time but i always like to quote his 
they say time is the fire in which we burn. That's one of my favorite. That's a cool fucking line, though. I like yeah, that line. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, Generations was, I thought, a pretty good movie overall. It was kind of interesting because um, you'd spent some time away from the characters. Well, that's not even true. This movie came out in, what, like, 94 or 5? Was it running? Gee. Did this come out while the, the original show was still running? Generations, I... no. Well... It might have been close, but anyway, I'll, I'll keep talking and since it sounds like you're Googling for us. Um, so Star Trek Generations, um, it, it did feel a little bit awkward, I think, to start off with. Like, you know, they were finding their footing and finding their way around the characters. But overall, I, I dug that movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, First Contact was, without a doubt, probably my favorite of the bunch, uh, which is, you know, no surprise. That's sort of the Star Trek curse. Um, the first one's okay-ish. The second one's the really, really good one. And then, you know, you have hit or miss results from there. Um, so First Contact was the one um, basically where they get to do some time travel shenanigans and they also have to fight the Borg. Um, the Borg get a major upgrade in terms of just like the overall visuals and how they look, which was a lot of fun. Um I'd read some stuff afterwards that said, like, yeah, if we had the budget to do that on the show, this is what we wanted the Borg to look like. But, you know, we never had that budget. So we kind of did what we did and made the best of it. Um, so that was a lot of fun here, too. I also sort of like I don't I must have watched these movies at some point because I had like sort of vague flashes of each of them as we went through. But they never really imprinted on me the way that like I can still watch, you know, the next generation and remember, like watching those shows when I was a kid. Um but uh, the uh, first contact was my favorite of the bunch for lots of reasons. Uh, I found it interesting because, you know, you took your, you know, most cerebral of the captains, I think, so far. Um, well, maybe not in the modern era, but, you know, uh, one of the things that was both a, a criticism for some, but a, a major likable trait about Picard is that he wasn't the, you know, like away mission fighting aliens kind of guy that Kirk was. And that you totally get this with uh, 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 first contact. So yeah, anyway, First Contact was uh, really, really good, and it kind of flipped some tropes on their head in terms of, like, next generation lore that I, I really dug. Um, there's a lot of, like, swerves in the movie, too, that were really fun. Uh, so yeah, that was the best of the bunch. And then finally, Star Trek Insurrection. And I think the best, worst thing I can say about this was this was really an overgrown episode. Like, it did not... I don't know. It just... It, it felt like it was, like, a longer TV episode. I think that's what I liked about and, it. And that was kind of okay ish yeah i mean i like it because it's it's still good and you know i was thinking like um even through the lens lens of nostalgia like i actually really like star trek beyond um so that's the latest in the the modern star trek series and that's the kind of thing that i liked about it i mean they had a lot bigger stunts in star trek beyond than they did in insurrection um but it's just in scope and scale much closer to a, a star trek story tv episode wise than it was uh, uh, you know something like we we get today with the modern star trek movies like that was a big criticism for you know trek fans fans uh with the 2009 and uh, uh series is that it's very much more like a action movie or almost like a star wars movie but with a star trek skin on it um so i i get that criticism i still i i really like those movies at some point maybe we'll we'll talk about those on the show um so uh, uh fyi yeah. freaks also directed insurrection insurrection yeah yeah, uh, good old two takes freaks. Um, yeah. That... <laughs> um, also, to answer your your other question, uh, Generations did not air during uh, the TNG run. It it was about seven months later after the uh, finale, which means it it ran concurrently, I believe, with um, season four and seasons one of uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. 
Yeah, so I, I definitely remember that because um, especially when you get into first contact territory, I think they open up with having to get uh, Worf back on the, the bridge somehow. Um, which is funny because he's off doing D, D, uh, DS9 bullshit. And then, you know, they basically have that, you know, in, in the, I, I think in the Deep Space Nine, again, nerd. He was, he was captaining the Defiant. Exactly. They brought him back that way. So that was a lot of fun, too. I thought that was a good way to get them back on board. And, you know, but it, it, that's another sort of funny thing is that, like, you know, he was just, very offended when uh, when Riker referred to it as a good little ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially because that good little ship, I think, in the in canon was like the, you know, meant to be the Borg destroyer, you know, warship sort of thing. You know, uh, it, it had uh, it had a very, very uh, heavy armament because it, it well, it was I mean, it was originally designed as a as a little kind of a destroyer type ship anyway. And then with their their war with the Dominion and all that good stuff, it made, yeah. it, made it practical to have all the quantum torpedoes, not photon quantum torpedoes. Yeah, there you go. Big difference. Ask Big me difference. what the difference is, and I'll lie to you for ten minutes about it's why. fine because that's what they would do on the show too. Uh, also, tachyons. Um, the Jordi emission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're gonna have to tell me about this. The Big Show show. <laughs> the show show. The Big Show show. How are you feeling? Show show. That's that's uh, what you'd say if you ask Sean Sean Connery. This, so this is a Netflix show. My kid saw an advertisement for it on something, and she was like, hey, when I'm done with this other kid's show that I'm watching, I'm going to watch this. And it uh, it chronicles the life of the big show uh, post-retirement, uh, living with his family. Rad. It's it's a sitcom. It's a half-hour sitcom. Oh, like not documentary style, but like an actual sitcom. It's it's a, it's a sitcom, yeah. It's a, it's a, he, like he's the only actual, like, person that isn't an actor in the show wow i mean i mean i guess he's an actor because he's acting yeah, but te- uh, te- technically now yeah probably um it's but it's uh my wife even gets a kick out of it i guess it's uh there's eight episodes out on netflix right now um and it's it is i've only seen bits and pieces of it as i've been walking through the house and whatnot but uh, uh natalie had to call me downstairs today when i was working uh, so that i could see that mick foley rikishi and mark henry were all in in one of the episodes that she was watching and it was oh, pretty right okay. on that's yeah. gonna go on my watch list for sure so um casey was really surprised at how funny it was um and then i i had to kind of wax philosophical about uh the episode of saturday night live that the rock hosted like years and years ago when he was still an active member of the roster um yeah. and the big show was in a couple of the sketches and he kind of stole the show during the scenes that he was in anyway so it's not really surprising to me that he's transitioned into this role um as well as as he has yeah um i mean what there's there's obviously some guys who can work a microphone in the wwe crowd and and so that usually um when they transition into actual acting it's not that big of a stretch um so i mean obviously being presumably the lead in the show i would i would have to assume the big show is the lead in the show about the big show um god that's a hard thing to say uh i'd have to assume that's the case uh so that you get a you know bigger chance to succeed or fail i suppose but all those guys have some degree of acting chops just to do their you know day job quote unquote so uh cool it's going on my watch list i'll check it out what's really funny about that is is when my wife texted me to tell me that her and the kid were watching it yesterday i was actually in the middle of watching um the big show episode of the broken skull sessions with steve austin Oh, nice. So that was kind of weird and creepy all at the same time. <laughs> For sure. So, 
Uh, and speaking of WWE, we have um, breaking news out of the state of Florida, uh, and that is the Performance Center is uh, once again up and running and being used to uh, uh, distribute live WWE content uh, without an audience, of course, uh, essential personnel only. But the state of Florida has declared WWE an essential business. Um, and, you know, I'm also throwing this out there. Could be coincidence. Maybe not. Uh, this happened the same day that the uh, chairman of Trump's re-election super PAC, uh, also known as Vince McMahon's wife, Linda, yeah, pledged $18.5 million In from the cabinet, super PAC. Cabinet member to- Linda McMahon. To Florida, uh, she's no longer in the cabinet. She's oh, just she's, uh, like- she's just heading the uh, the super PAC at this point. But um, yeah, she pledged eighteen point five million dollars of that super PAC money to Florida um, the same day that WWE was declared an essential business. Wow, that's shocking. Um, corruption in this administration? No, no, it can't yeah, be. It's it's a podcast, so you can't see it. But I'm clutching my pearls as hard as I can. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's kind of a clusterfuck of stupid down in Florida right now because you got uh, Ron DeSantis. Is it Ron DeSantis? I can't remember. Some idiot. He's over there, you know, doing his shit and, like, keeping beaches open way past the point where uh, everybody else with any sort of mentality or, you know, mental acuity decided to close stuff. Uh, um, and then you've got Linda, who's obviously somebody that, you know, sort of bought her way into the cabinet. Um at least that seemed, you know, from the outside looking in, there's no real other way to look at that. Uh, um, um, or maybe Vince, you know, paid for, I don't know, whatever the fucking situation is. Um, same thing with pretty much everything Trump does. Like it, it, it just gives leeway to big businesses and people who've got a lot of money. So this is literally no surprise. Like it is a giant clusterfuck of stupid all throughout the South at this point. Uh, it's just in terms of like, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a cold. It's just the flu. It's just whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then ironically, or, you know, for the rest of the world, reasonably, uh, the places that have enacted the strongest stay at home orders also have the fewest cases and the, and the fewest deaths, uh, from this, this COVID-19 illness that's, that's afflicting the entire world. Um, you know, so on one hand, that just feeds the idiots, you know, fire of, well, it's not that big of a deal because think things are slowing down, but things are slowing down because we're taking the necessary precautions to make sure it slows down. Yeah, I think Fauci said this like a month ago, which is that like, if, if you, uh, if, if it feels like we did not, uh, you know, we way overreacted and we did way more than we needed to, then congratulations, everything went the way that it should. Um, yeah. As it is, that's not the case. Still, people are dying. Like, I saw a statistic today that while Trump was giving his fucking stupid speech thing, which didn't contain any actual facts, and he just yelled at reporters the whole time. Um, 300 more people died. Yeah, something like that. It was, yeah. I, I think, uh, 100 or 200, you know, somewhere in the, there. It's just, it's it's more than zero. So, you know. The, I, I, realistically, I think the numbers over the last two days have been in like 300 an hour yeah so not so. great not great um, no and people try and boil it down to percentages to try and minimize you know that that people are dying and you know the, yes there are other things that kill more people on a yearly basis but this thing isn't done yet number one um, and number two like if you really want to boil it down to percentage then the question i have to ask you is well which one of your friends do you want to die yeah because it's that's only, what happens. You know? It's only, you know, it's only 2% of people. That's fine. Do you know 100 people? Pick two of them. <laughs> uh, 
uh yeah even that's not true uh working out the way that they thought um you know we're some we're at the rate where it's now the leading cause of death in the united states so there's that anyway uh we're bringing them down like let's like uh you know uh, flip this bitch in reverse and go back to fun zone um uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait so wait we do do this to try and take people's minds off of things. However, we also feel it's important that, uh, you know... I mean, that's on our brand. You guys that's, also that's, know... Talking about WWE shit's part of our brand, and this obviously had to come up, but, you know... We got we got dark for a second there. Well, you know, we yeah. still hate our president. Oh, we do. We super do. It's, um, that's I also, mean, that's no secret. That's part of our brand, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> who, who knows what it'll be like when we have another president to hate. Oh, I, I don't know. I'll probably hate that president too, just not quite as much. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, this is this is one of those things that's really, really probably going to piss a lot of people off. But uh, you know, Bernie um, suspending his campaign uh, this week, I, I, I completely understand the reasoning behind it, and I, I support the fact that he's like, you know, I'm 300 some odd delegates behind. Realistically, probably not going to catch up. I'm also a United States senator who can't afford to focus time campaigning and probably should be on the Senate floor doing things about this crisis because, well, somebody else ain't, you know. Um, so I totally get that. And then, and then, you know, that leaves Biden as as the clear nominee at this point, who I'm so lukewarm on. And then, you know, he's got the Tara Reid allegations now, you're which like baiting, just make you're matters worse. So hard, yeah. But it's like, you know, at this point, at this point, I. I so number one, and this is the most important thing, Bernie suspended his campaign. He did not drop out. And that's an important distinction because he remains on all of the ballots for all of the states that haven't primaried yet. So if in your state you're still allowed to vote, uh, you can still vote for, uh, for Bernie in the primary. And what that does is that awards Bernie national delegates to go to the convention. And that helps shape the platform that Biden is going to end up having to run on for the general election in November. So yep, if Bernie's policies Bernie's still going to support Bernie's policies. Yeah. If, if they're important to you, you still check that box on primary day. So, yeah, for my thoughts on this general matter, I'll go to my tweet that I posted the other day that said, uh, you know, 2016 qu uh, uh, colon, we can't repeat our mistakes. We have to learn from this incredible upset. 2020 colon. Here's a boring ass career politician centrist with a questionable voting record em embroiled in scandal. Um, so yeah, we definitely, we definitely took our lumps and we, we turned it around and we went wild and we just did something completely different by doing the literally exact same thing. So, and, and that being said, here's my thought on that, on that as oh, well. Yeah. I, I'm straight in pessimist mode when it comes to this. I am, thing. I am never going to be the person that tells somebody who they can and can't vote for. I'm not going to say that if you don't vote for Biden, you're voting for Trump. It may in fact though. work out that way, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you that. Um, what I will tell you is that when you go to the, the, the polls and you're faced with that choice, probably pick the one with fewer sexual assault allegations. <laughs> well, um, I, I guess uh, since we're doing this, I'll throw a link to the Daily in here. The Daily discusses this in depth today, uh, um, talking about the allegations themselves. And uh, they, they did a really good job of it and how this isn't ironclad and how... Um, you know, staffer after staffer basically came in defense of Joe Biden. So I don't know, like, I'm I'm still very much in the like, me too mindset of like, yeah, we got to take every single one of these claims seriously. And we really, really got to look at, you know, uh, uh, the sort of things uh, like this that surround them, you know, like, you know, the penultimate example of this is Harvey Weinstein, where you just have 
literally everybody knows it literally everybody in the whole industry knows it and nothing gets done about it whereas you know it seems to be that the, the most most of the time the opposite is said here uh, um you know the most damning thing you can say about biden previously is that he's a little too handsy or not really com- comfortable and or, or not really mindful of people's space and you know he he addressed that himself a couple years back when that was really hitting the fan and said you know basically like Okay, yeah, I get it. Uh, Times have changed. That's not really an acceptable behavior anymore. You know, like we talk all the time, you know, it's a trope about politicians kissing babies and shit like that. But uh, that would weird me right the fuck out if a politician, even one I respected or liked, you know, did that kind of thing today. Yeah, Um, yeah. Uncle Touchy, um, I think, is is what he's commonly yeah, referred but, to as. But I mean, he basically came came up and said, "Yeah, I, I get it. That's different. I probably shouldn't do that." So, um, and, and there's literally no other allegations. So, you know, as more stuff comes about, and and you know, uh, um, I mean, I, this is definitely going to color his candidacy. I think it makes it hard for you to move past something like this. Like, I, I just keep thinking that, like. Well, there's, you know, there there could be truth to the allegations, you know, based on what we've seen and heard from Joe Biden before, um, there could be truth in that, you know, she was made uncomfortable or, you know, she, you know, and so on and so forth, um, where the, you know, the really hardcore stuff happened. I don't, I don't know who's to say, like, by her account, there was no witnesses and no way to, you know, in uh, 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 the Times, the Times reporting in the Daily, you know, they couldn't really hardcore corroborate any of the types of things that she was discussing today. Although there was some smoke that you could see, you know, might have caused, you know, so it's still very much of like, man, I don't know. Um, but the short story is like, uh, it, it des- definitely puts some reservation in there for me. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I'm not really excited about Biden being your candidate of choice right now. I mean, I wasn't excited about Biden as, as a nominee before any of this stuff, you know, it's it, because he's a boring ass run of the mill status quo politician who has gone back and forth on his voting record more times than fucking John Kerry did when he was running against uh, Bush. Yeah. So here's the thing for me when it comes down to it, you know, first off, I'll, I'll, I'll eat my words. I'll be happy to say that I, I preface this with that. If more allegations come out and more stuff leaks out and it turns out that it he's, you know, as bad as this story makes him out to be, then I will totally, you know, backpedal and I won't vote for Biden. Um, uh, Even if that, you know, well, I don't know. That's going to be a tricky situation too, because that's what I'm saying. This this whole situation it's it's 2016 all over again. Yeah. So the thing here is though, um, w- right now with an unsubstantiated claim, uh, a singular in which basically everybody else says, you know, the the, the if anything the the man I know is the opposite of this uh, uh, type of description. Uh, I'm going to lean towards the, you know, hordes of people that are standing up for him, you know, and we're not talking about, you know, big, powerful people all the time. We're talking about staffers and people that, you know, just don't have to give a shit anymore. Um, If if it turns, you know, uh, in in general, the thing we have to remember is that what would coronavirus look like under not even a good president, but just a semi-competent one? What would this reaction look like? What would our, our state of being right now look like under any sort of capable leader like <laughs> all right all right let's let's play let's play a really really shitty game of who would you rather oh okay this could be so, bad but <laughs> same pandemic w trump um w because he would actually listen to the advisors and if nothing else he wouldn't go on and be an complete embarrassment to the entire fucking nation on tv no i you know he might say idiotic things sometimes but like he's i think the thing that I think that I like the best about the Trump presidency so far has been watching George W. Bush go on the Ellen DeGeneres show 
and be probably the most elder statesman I've ever seen him and yeah. just flat out be like, no, there's things going on that we just can't do. Yeah. And this is coming from W. Yeah. So like what I think here is that like I used to look back and say, well, you know, as much as Trump is an absolute embarrassment, he's not as dangerous as W and that uh, W was responsible for many, many deaths in the form of wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, um, but, you know, I think Trump's really juicing the numbers here. I think he's going to, you know, put a lead on him. Uh, so we'll see. Um, well, uh, I don't even put all the responsibility for the Iraq stuff on W because I think he was honestly a witless pawn in a lot of that stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah. Cheney, Cheney, I think, is kind of the, the evil genius in that whole situation. And he was he was the fucking dangerous one. He, I think he agreed. I think. The bug starts with the president. So it does, it does. But I think I think even as a Republican president, I think Bush probably had grand designs to actually do right by the world. Uh and then, you know, unfortunately, backdoor politics and lobbyists, the lobbyists are what the, the lobbyists are gonna be the death of our country, period, end of story. Yeah. So And you know how like ten minutes ago I said, Look, this is getting dark, let's move to a happy place. <laughs> All right. We didn't Instead, we just turned that. into the Young Turks. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's talk about some video games uh, and, and other games, actually. In fact, the first thing I want to talk about in the gaming section is not a video game. It's a card game. Um, so many of you know that, like, um, I am a kind of hyper fan of Cards Against Humanity. Uh, the company? I mean, I like the game. It's a fun game. But the company itself is just fucking magical in my opinion like uh they're very very progressive in terms of like the way that they support things and 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 the community like um max temkin is my primary exposure to the company uh he's one of the the founders and sort of runs the day-to-day at cards uh and he's involved in a lot of really really cool stuff when it comes to this so of course like when it comes to corona he's doing a lot of things to help support local businesses and you know they they had the unfortunate uh, uh luck of opening a a a a restaurant effectively a board game cafe which looks fucking cool and if i'm ever in chicago i definitely want to go but um they opened it like i want to say a month before everything really shut down and the shit hit the fan um so imagine where that puts the restaurant in terms of like supporting staff and so on and so forth but of course cards is doing the right thing and they're even um going further than that and trying to help uh, other local businesses to make sure they can stay afloat during this whole thing. Um, so not surprising to me, they're on the right side of this too. They've been working on Cards Against Humanity Family Edition for some time now, uh, and they basically just released it in beta. So link in the show notes uh, or, or just cah.family. You can go and you can download a free PDF of the game, which is another rad thing. Like here's the kind of thing that I appreciate about cards as a company. They really think of the details. So they want you to be able to play this game. They want you to be able to get it. So you can download a small cards version. So you basically use less paper, less pages, less ink. You can also download a low ink version. So instead of like, if you picture the, I don't know, for those of you that haven't played cards against humanity, there are black cards. Those are solid ass black cards with white text. Those, those are, are white the topic. Cards. Yeah, black the cards white... are the topic cards. The white cards are the you know the the supporting the topic card that everybody plays to the topic yeah. that's that's played. So you can also you know uh, um, download a low ink version of that, which basically turns on a grayscale mode, so you don't completely you know run through a cartridge two pages in and then find out you've got you know twenty more pages to go. Um, so it's it, first off, I played it with my kids. It is very fun. It is very funny in terms of like. Um, 
it's got that card's humor, but in a way that um, doesn't make me, you know, cringe about thinking my about my kids reading. Um, uh, and it's actually funny. Like I had a lot of fun playing. Like we've played apples to apples as a family. Sorry, whoever makes apples to apples, but that game is not funny. Um, and as much as they tried, you know, I, I think I, I don't know which of them came first. If cards is a ripoff of apples to apples, but funny, or if it's vice versa. Um, but apples to apples, you know, is what we played as a family before when we were looking for this type of game because uh, it, it is, you know, similar. Uh, but this is, you know, basically cards, but actually, you know, funny and, and family friendly. Uh, yeah, I think I read the synopsis and I think it said that uh, in terms of family friendliness, you know, you may want to go through the cards if, if you have some younger, younger kids. But they said the, the most offensive things in there are going to be like crap and boobies. If nothing else, do yourself a favor, even if you have no kids and you don't plan on playing this, go to the website anyway, read through the FAQs. It is hilarious. Download the thing, read through the cards. Like I, I laughed, you know, I was, I was cracking up even before I actually printed them out and played with the family just because, uh, the, uh, I, one of the best things cards does, I think is their copy. Like when they do an FAQ, when they do anything like it's always just very funny. Like it's very funny. It's very well thought out. Uh, um, I don't want to spoil some of the little things on the pages, but it's just it's a fun time all around. So check that out. Is there a uh, coronavirus expansion pack? Not yet. I bet that's probably going to go in the cards main game, though. Like I, I, I have to think that right now they're writing those jokes and just be like, we have to wait until this is funny again. Like, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing about Cards Against Humanity and the and and those folks is it's probably funny right now. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's weird. Um we were talking about this a little bit. Man, we're just not getting away from this episode, guys. It's going to be a little bit of a downer. Um we were talking about this the other day with the kids. Um it's weird because on the one side I kind of compartmentalize all all of that stuff um because my day-to-day is really pretty much the same i mean it's slightly less convenient when i go to the grocery store or whatever but i can still go to the grocery store except for the first couple of weeks like i, I still can go buy pretty much everything i need to buy yeah. as long as it's not like lysol or or sanitizer i i i think and i think even those things are starting to uh to to be noticeable yeah. on the shelves again those it's just a matter of like there was there was initial fear and and a, and a, a ton of people just swarm the places Honestly, I got to thank Costco and some of the other larger national retailers who basically put their foot down and said, you know what, if you're hoarding this stuff and you're buying 50 cases of toilet paper, we're not refunding you when this is all over. Like that this is so totally funny. non-refundable. So. I, see, I, I, I saw that exact picture, which was some woman at, I think it was actually Walmart trying to re- return more than an entire cart full of toilet paper and they would not. And the person that was taking the photo and sending it out, you know, details redacted was just laughing because they, they just said something like, it's exactly what you think it is. But anyway, compartmentalization. Um, it's fun. Cause, or, I mean, it's not fun, but on the one side of things, like I can make jokes about it and have fun because my day to day is not really affected. Uh, and for a lot of people, I think that's true. I don't have anybody I know that's gotten sick from it or, you know, really worst case died from it. Like I, I live in a sort of constant, like, you know, more mindfulness and watchfulness about what I'm doing. Uh, but the, you know, then there's this other side where it's like, but I know all these things exist, like, uh, and it's going to get worse because one of the things that we have to suffer through in the United States is that our government's not responding to this at all. Well, and so like right now I read a tweet earlier today that the $1,200 checks that aren't going to be nearly enough to get this thing like really moving are being held up because Donald Trump wants his fucking name on them. Yeah. Uh, mine's pending on my account. I don't know if it's actually been deposited yet, but I didn't see it pending. Um, did you have to do anything? Like, do I have to go no. do something? 
Did, did you, you file taxes it? this year? Not yet. Uh, which did I guess I'm doing tomorrow. Year? Yeah, I filed last year. So if you didn't file this year, um, they're going off the direct deposit banking information from last year's return. That should be fine. I've had the same bank for like forever. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's that. Um, I'm gonna get real dark for a minute. Not that we haven't already been a little yeah, dark anyway, but um, coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Uh, no, this is worse. Okay. Uh, I say that jokingly, uh, but not really because Old Yeller was fictional, uh, and this is real. Uh, I read an article uh, a couple weeks ago about how um, your brick and mortar comic shops, uh, at least fifty percent of them in the United States, are not going to make make it through this because. It's hard to believe that even 50% are, honestly. Uh, Diamond Distribution, who is largely responsible for distributing all of the major uh, uh, brands of comic books, suspended uh, distribution as of April 1. So the publishers are still publishing, but there's nobody actually shipping um, the the actual physical comic books. Um, digital, of course, still exists, and you can you can buy your comic books digitally that way and read them on your iPad or whatever device you want. Uh, that does not help your brick and mortar uh, store. Uh, Matt's Cavalcade Comics, who is uh, the closest to uh, the closest comic shop that we have, uh, has been you know active on social media saying, "Hey, come buy these things." You know, we've got these things in in, in our store and whatnot, and they're still technically open. But a lot of people are not going to make this make it through this whole uh, debacle. Um, which is which is sad because uh, honestly, there's a lot of stuff that I buy that I could get cheaper on Amazon. But the fact that we have a comic book store that's within you know 20 minutes of my house, I try and do what I can to make sure that they stay open. I still buy a um, a subscription to uh, I think I have a subscription to the Flash comic book still, and and you know they they're where i you know source most of my funko pop collection at this point so it's just one of those one of those things but um it, it would be a shame uh, to see them go out of business and and unfortunately that's probably happening nationwide at this point okay so thoughts on this um so it's not god the, the, like so that's where i was going when the dark side when we were talking about like hitting the dark side of this is like uh, this is the story across America. Like uh, I was listening to a very well-respected economist uh, today on a podcast talking about how we're probably going to hit 30% unemployment. So like when I talk about compartmentalization, like for me, it's not really changed yet. But if we don't do something drastic pretty soon, that's going to happen. Because when you have 30% unemployment, you have a lot of hungry people. When you have checks being held up so Donald Trump can get his name on it, or just people can't get it because they're doing all sorts of dumb shit like means testing and blah, blah, blah. What's that going to do for those people that need to like feed their kids and eat themselves and so, so on and so forth? So I don't think we're going to escape effect from this for a whole lot longer, like unless we make some very drastic turnarounds and changes into what our social policy is like and what we're actually doing. Um, because when you have 30% of people who are unemployed and hungry, like that, that's just, that's a recipe for disaster is what that is like. Uh, um, so yeah, not to get too alarmist and super, super dark, but yeah, I worry about all those little things that I like. Like, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of things that like people, you know, when we finally do like get back to a quote unquote normal, 
um, which, you know, let's understand like normal is not going to happen. Like we're not going to get back to normal, normal until there's a vaccine. And that's been around for five to seven months or, you know, five to five months to a year and everybody's gotten it. But in the- I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be first in line to get it. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of one of those. I mean, but I don't know. I don't know about that, but uh, it's going to take time for that vaccine to roll out. Um, and But the, the short story is here that vaccines at least a year away by all estimates right now. Um, and in the meantime, as we still slowly start to open things back up, we're not going to find that we go back and everything's normal again. Like pre- Trump's not going to go on TV and be like, all right, everybody go back to the things. And, you know, everybody's going to take down all the signs in their stores and go back to you know, i mean just, i mean he'll go on tv and say that oh yeah he 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 will definitely say that but nobody's going to actually go out and you know like uh the grocery store is not going to take down all the protective measures and stop doing all that shit you know um <clears throat> in the absence of a vaccine or any real fix for the problem so uh my the unfortunate thing is even when we do get those like stay-at-home orders lifted and stuff like that and you can go back outside the reality is you're going to have a lot fewer places to go because a lot of those businesses will not be there anymore. Um, uh, uh, because unfortunately, like I said, uh, we're just not responding to this as we should as a nation. So that's something to inform your just general policy going forward. Um, uh, uh, people, but yeah, some, 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 man, that's a day. Well, some things I can, I can say, uh, if you are in the same position as, as Eddie and, and his wife and me and my wife, where, you're still both working because you're considered essential and whatnot. Um, one of the things that, that we've been doing is at least twice a week, we've been having dinner um, at one of the uh, local non chain restaurants uh, in town. You know what I mean? So, you know, Mexican food or pizza or whatever, we've got, we've got a lot of options in our neighborhood that are, that are still open and doing takeout. We've been trying to patronize those businesses as often as is economically responsible to do so. Um, you know, just, just to show that we appreciate their, them being there, number one, and that, you know, hopefully means they'll still be there when this whole thing is over with and we can actually congregate in a location. Yeah, uh, we've been doing the same thing over here, like as much as we can, uh, which is very funny because before we, my wife and I would argue about like, uh, we're eating too much takeout, we shouldn't do this, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, man, we're, we're the modern heroes here, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just doing our duty for the party, right? Yeah. I expect my, you know, face on, I'm times people of the year. Uh, I bought restaurant food. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, if you can, if you can at all help out affected businesses, like if, for example, you do have a comic shop near you and you've been meaning to fill out that Funko Pop collection, uh, now's the time. Um, there's a lot of businesses in which that apply, uh, uh, you know, many with probably more imports than I, uh, necessarily you might find Funko Pops depending on your, you know, personal priorities, but, um, yeah, use, use whatever you can to do that. Uh, and I'm going to say this, if if the WWE is essential, then also keeping yourself entertained while you're in a, a whether it's a self-imposed quarantine or just a, 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 a more strict stay at home kind of a situation. Um, if you're out and about and you're going to go shopping for groceries or whatever, and you got that comic book shop that's right down the road, they sell lots of games. Yeah, that's go true. pick up some games and and entertain your family for a week or, or more with games. Like Cards Against Humanity is one of those things that you know we just talked about that. Most comic um, shops around me like also serve as like the D and D hubs too. So like, sure, if you if you want to start like now's a good fucking time to get into. You got the 20. time. Yeah, hit up roll uh, twenty and then zoom your friends or whatever uh, and start your own D and D club. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things you can do, uh, to keep yourself kind of entertained and keep your mind off of those things. Uh, and then, uh, to go back to cards against humanity, um, before you do, I have to say, I thought you were going to follow up with like, and our Patreon is blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> we don't have a Patreon your, yet. Yeah, I know. If you need to keep yourself entertained, uh, we are Patreon. You know, anyway. But um, this is episode number 120, which means there's easily 400 hours of content from us that you can listen to if you want to. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the Cards so Against cards. Vanity thing, though... Uh, the other thing too that uh, I was going to mention is if you're not looking for the family friendly version, um, they do make the the original base game also available as a PDF. It's downloadable, and you can you can print your own cards for that as well. Uh, um, they don't have the expansion content or anything like that, uh, but the original base game still has days worth of, of stuff to do if you're stuck at home with a bunch of other like minded adults and you want to find out who the worst among you is. Oh yeah, I, I'll, I guess we can end on that. Um, so cards, like I said, is a pretty good. When it comes to companies, you'd think the one making a bunch of dick jokes for uh, uh, card games is probably not going to be the top of the line when it comes to like social responsibility. But as it turns out, cards is a pretty good company. Um, it now's a good time, uh, more than ever, probably to go. You know, if you have to make your local Target run anyway, they do sell uh, cards in stores. I believe you know they still ship it and all that stuff too. So um, if you have to do that, cards is a company that you probably. Should shouldn't feel guilty about giving any money to right now um so look out for companies like that too like there's a lot of businesses there's a lot of things we can be doing as communities to support each other um you know there's there's all kinds of facebook groups and shit like that where you can help pick up groceries for the elderly and do contactless delivery and stuff like that so if you got if you got lots of time on your hands or you got some extra dough um like spread it around spread it around like your you know strip club and the you know uh, um the the champagne's flowing like you know fling, fling those bills yo if, if you are fortunate enough to have gotten a stimulus check, that's what it's for. Yeah. Or, for example, um, Final Fantasy VII. No, <laughs> you have not hit a time warp, folks. Um, this is a Final Se Fantasy VII remake, uh, which, again, hit my radar a year or two ago. I don't know. It's been a while. Um, and then uh, I completely forgot about it. And then Matt's like, hey, are you picking up Final Fantasy VII on, on release day? And I was like well honestly not really because i really want this half-life alex game for the vr thing um but yeah i i'm i'm i gotta say i'm I'm pretty intrigued i watched i watched a couple of hours on twitch yesterday and i kind of well I, I watched about an hour on twitch because i mostly was like i don't want to spoil this because it turns out this is not the same game so matt tell me about your forays into final fantasy 7 um, so for anybody who's listened to us in the past, they know that I'm a huge mark for Final Fantasy games anyway. I'm a JRPG fan. Uh, Eddie and I have actually had conversations before about JRPGs and, you know, uh, his, his big bitch about them is he's not a big fan of turn-based combat, um, it, which I, I, I totally get. Um, Final Fantasy VII, the original, uh, was a three-disc uh, CD-ROM game came out for PlayStation, the original PlayStation, and then later ported to PC. Um, Which, must be said, was fucking huge for its time. Three discs of anything at that time was like, oh my god. Um, it, and it's, it was. it's very funny because three discs at that time, what CDs were like, what, like 680-something? About 700 megs. 700 megs, yeah. So yeah. we're talking about, you know, well, uh, uh, I don't know, 2100 megs, two gigs yeah yeah I did. Um, the update for days gone which we're going to talk about in a second uh that i just had to schedule before this was uh 20 gigs the update 
Yeah, so it was it was about eighty sixty to eighty hours of, of game time, and I, I think it was closer to eighty hours. Um, and then obviously the original. I mean, if you wanted to max out all of your materia and all that kind of stuff, you could drag it on, you know, forever. Um, anyhow, uh, it was the first one of the Final Fantasy games. Well, I don't want to say it was the first. It was one of the first one of the games to to introduce the um, active time uh, uh, combat. Which meant that things could happen even when it wasn't your turn, um, but it wasn't. It still was turn based. Like you still had to wait for your 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 turn in the in the cycle to to attack and whatnot. But but creatures could attack you in the off time and whatnot too. This game is different. This game is not your typical JRPG. In fact, this game is almost it's almost not an RPG, but it actually but it is. It's probably a more true RPG. Um, than than some of the older ones because of how everything is is laid out and put together. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is something that I've been looking forward to for three or four years now. Um, and my my uh, expectations have been met and then some. My biggest gripe about this game is that this is actually not a full remake of the original Final Fantasy VII. This game actually probably only covers about a quarter. Well probably a third of disc one of the original Final Fantasy VII. All right, so at this time, I do have to clarify, because this confused me for a while when we were discussing this game and talking about it. When I was thinking about this game, I was thinking it more like a remaster. So a remaster, for example, um, so The Last of Us on PlayStation uh, originally came out for PlayStation 3. That means you got PlayStation 3 level graphics and sound quality and you know so on and so forth. They remastered the game for PS4, which means they updated the graphics and textures, and it just looked better. But the game is still roughly the same. Like, uh, um, there's you know some bug fixes and stuff like that. But really, you're playing the same game, just you know how it how it um, looking like you remembered it looking, not actually actually did. Um, this game is a remake, as in it's taking the story beat, and it's almost like uh uh. A better way to describe it is like a Hollywood reboot. You know, like if you want to tell the Batman origin story, there's a lot of ways to do it. As it turns out, we've seen you know a million of them on screen. Um, this is, this <laughs> or, is little... or Ben Parker die six times. You know, yeah. This is a this is a little bit like that in that they're remaking that story. Uh, um, but you know, it's it's all you know, it's that same company, the same creators. They're doing it justice. Would you say? Um, absolutely. Uh, I, I I think one of the biggest things about the original Final Fantasy VII was the game started out uh, with a really solid story. And then the further you get into the game where there has to be adjustments to the plot and things like that. I, I, I told Eddie the other day, it almost seems like it was like a bunch of like six-year-olds that were like writing this, this big, huge story. And then every once in a while, one's like, no, but then what if we do this? And then they just do that. Well, so I think that's the thing that sort of plagues, um, you know, video games and JRPGs. Like that's a, that's a thing that's sort of different today. I even see this. So I'm going to use an example and then I'm going to say I'll, I'll immediately counteract it. But I even see this in games like The Last of Us. The Last of Us is heavily praised for its storytelling elements. But there are a few things in that game where you're just like, oh, we're just doing this because we got to pad out the game time. Um, so in the case of a JRPG and things like that, where it's like, oh, this game is going to be a million hours long, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
that there's a lot of things that that means. So like I I, uh, I generally don't uh, derive game time uh, uh, or I don't equate game time with enjoyment levels. Like um, um, one of the people I follow that's really got me Jones in for halftime or Half Life Alex is that. Uh, um, it, they said it's it's a transformative game experience. Like uh, uh, so far in my forays into VR, and we talked about this on a previous episode, it is a pretty shallow gameplay. Like there, you get some basic mechanics, but you never really get anybody who explores that in narrative and so on and so forth. Um, at least so far in in my limited experience, and Half Life is supposed to be that sort of like transformative experience. So like we've all got that. Like there's all for all of us, there's been a game probably that you've played where the story suddenly has taken over, and you find yourself just like when you read a book or you're watching a, you know you're binging something on Netflix where you you find yourself saying like. I'm going to play till the next checkpoint because I really need to find out what happens next. And then all of a sudden it's four in the morning. You're like, well, work is not going to be fun tomorrow. Um, so th- that I think, you know, is a little bit of what I'm curious about too here is uh, if the gameplay is reduced because number one, there's just not so much like meta gaming of, of turn-based combat and so on and so forth. And then number two, because Maybe they just take those dumb story elements that were like, oh, yeah, this, we've got a pad game time. If they just rip those out of there, you know, because they don't need to be there. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So I'll let you speak to that because I don't really know. I haven't played it yet and I don't know what it's like, but my, I get the sense so far from just like texting back and forth. You're not there's nothing where you're like, oh, God, I, I really wish they really fucked up this character, you know. <laughs> so uh, so far. My experience with this game has been. uh there's no grinding beautiful i hate it i hate grinding like so um, like a classic jrpg like you get into the main story you get to the world map and then before you can go to where you need to go next you probably need to grind out a few levels by just wandering around and killing a bunch of random encounter monsters and whatnot to to make yourself strong enough so that when you get to the villain in the next part you can stand a chance right that takes hours in a lot of cases that was also, you know, sort of a deliberate choice in a lot of games of just like, we don't have the technology to really, you know, make a cohesive thing. So, you know, we got one good mechanic and we're going to make sure you do it 40 fucking thousand times. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So with Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, you play through your normal uh, storyline, which is which is pretty linear uh, in, in a lot of cases. Uh, but then when I got to like, I think it was chapter three. Chapter three, it was just, it was uh, me and then one of the side characters, and then you're in uh, the slums, and you basically just start picking up side quests, and you go do the side quests, um, and you can you can choose to do some of the side quests and then move on with the main story, or you can just stay there and just finish out the side quests that are available to you at that time, and then move on to the main story, which is what I did, because I figured the more experience I got doing whatever else it was only going to help me later. Um, and so it, it makes it to where you can do all the things you need to do to build your character up without sacrificing hours of boredom going, well, I guess I'll just wander around here till I get attacked by a monster again, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing too, is if this is not a random encounter game, uh, you're like, if there's enemies, you're going to see them before you get to them and you're going to see all of them at the same time. Uh, you actually have to sometimes change targets depending on what your situation is in combat and, and attack something different than what's right in front of you. 
in order to make the the, the battles uh, go easier on you and your party and whatnot. Um, and you do have multiple party members. Um, right now, I have Cloud. Uh, he's the main character of the game. And then you've got Barrett and then Tifa. And I'm with those two. Well, actually, I'm not right now because I just finished that chapter. Uh, and and I'm, I'm by myself. But... Um, you could switch back and forth between those two by either clicking the the left right d-pad or the up down d-pad and cycle through your characters uh and they all have different uh different abilities different special attacks and then whatever material you happen to equip them with in their their main equipment um to give them different spells and whatnot so you you kind of have to you have to plan out your battle accordingly and you have to basically play to the character that suits you. If you've got a, a an enemy that's out across like a chasm that's firing things at you, Cloud isn't going to do a fuckload of good unless you waste all of his magic, you know, on trying to cast things at him. Whereas Barrett has a machine gun arm and can stand there and just fucking pepper it with, with machine gun bullets until, you know, it comes closer and you can attack it with a physical character. Yeah, you can. Uh, so I, I said it. You know, it was a lot like Gauntlet Legends, which is not entirely correct because the the system is a little bit different in that. Like, I saw a lot of like slow time effects. So as in, you still get the sort of like if you were really into the turn based thing, you still get that in that like you can you know sort of like slow time pick your effects, do that thing, and they'll perform them, and then you can switch over to this other character so and do another thing. You know? that, is, that is all largely dependent also on how long it takes you to choose what you're going to do. When you hit the X button in the middle of combat, it brings up your menu, which gives you the ability to choose either an ability, a spell, or use an item. Um, and then it it's time is only slowed down for as long as it takes you to make those selections with your with your controller, and then as soon as you hit the go button, then it then it goes, and you're back in real time. Which uh, I, but I, main, dug. I I really like that. Your main attack, uh, which is your your square button on the PlayStation, is literally just like you're in real time the whole time that you're doing that attack. Um, your special ability, which is your triangle button, um, also real time. It's just really only that sub menu of am I going to cast a spell or am I going to use one of these unique uh abilities anyway just watching that i felt that there's like a good blend of the genre because um i never like playing turn-based because i think one of the things that we don't acknowledge or try not to acknowledge is that playing turn-based was like we want to have these big epic fights but the technology wasn't quite there or we hadn't quite figured out the control scheme so we could do that sort of thing um so turn-based was the alternative and like uh, but the thing was, you find yourself just like metagaming through menus and stuff the whole time, which I didn't find exciting, which is, uh, you know, like if I if you had to sit down and watch a Final Fantasy seven, the original game, like if you're not playing, you're just a spectator, you'd lose your fucking mind. Um, um, but, you know, I like I said, I, I watched this stream on Twitch uh, only basically long enough to where I was like, OK, I want to be able to play this myself. I don't want spoilers and shit like that. So I'm going to uh, turn this off. Uh, um, and and put it away for now. But I was actually watching it and enjoying it, even the combat, which was definitely not something I was into before. I, you know, this this game so far, again, like I said, it's 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 surpassed my expectations. Um, I'm looking I'm looking forward to how this one ends. Um, if you're familiar with the Final Fantasy VII story, um, you start out in the in the city of Midgar, and your whole thing is you're kind of a mercenary and you're hired. Uh, by this group called Avalanche to help start taking down these reactors um, that uh, extract what's called Mako from the the environment. 
Um, and the Mako is actually kind of like the lifeblood of the planet and, and the avalanche are, are eco-terrorists that are, um, dom- they're set on, on, um, saving the planet by destroying these reactors that are controlled by an evil overlord corporation called Shinra. That's right. Um, We've done Ferngully lots of times. Yeah. Uh, the Midgar section of, of that game is, is only a small portion of the original Final Fantasy VII. Um, it is this entire game is is the, the Midgard section. So when you leave Midgard at the end of this game, that's when the game ends uh, for, for the remake. And then uh, there, there's planned sequels. Now, that brings me to my fears. And that is that Square hasn't necessarily always done right by sequels. Uh, case in point, Final Fantasy thirteen, and then there's Final Fantasy thirteen two, or Final Fantasy ten and Final Fantasy ten two. The character progression that you make throughout Final Fantasy ten or thirteen does not stick with you when you get to thirteen two or ten two or or whatever, and you're basically stuck going back to a here's your basic beginning character, build them up again. That doesn't work with the story. If you do that, because the original game, like the entire game you played through to max out your skills and get to the right level to be able to do this kind of stuff. And you, you, you retain those skills. So when you leave Midgar, Midgar, you still have all of your materia and weapons and anything else that you've, that you've collected throughout this game to that point. And then you're just on the world map and you're going wherever you need to go to progress the storyline and whatnot. I don't know how they're going to do Final Fantasy Remake Part 2 if they don't let you keep some of that stuff. But the other, on the other hand, I don't know how you stop somebody from buying Final Fantasy Remake Part 2 that hasn't played Part 1 and give them a fighting chance. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, there are games that uh, um, sort of do this. So the thing is, you kind of have to do a little bit of a hard break between games. There are definitely games that let you carry over some saves from the before game. But the thing is that like most games that do this well, start you over at a higher basic level. Um, So, for example, uh, I want to say like the Arkham games do this, where like at the end of the first Arkham game, you've got every tech, you know, tech thing and you've leveled up all the shit and stuff like that. And then at the next Arkham game you lose some of that stuff, but you keep more of the basics and they progress a little bit quicker to getting you back to the tech level that you were at before. And then of course they're introducing new mechanics and stuff like that to get you excited about playing the game again. Um, yeah, it's a hard problem. Uh, starting you over from the beginning is really, really rough, especially because presumably this is a continuation of the same story. Um, now I don't know that they'd want to limit this game, you know, uh, um, because that's the other option is you could just say, well, don't get this one until you played the other one uh, um, and make it more like an expansion pack situation. But I don't think that's the thing we're going to get here. So I, I think they're going to have to balance that. That's, that's, that's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, you very easily could do it as an expansion. I mean, the uh, Warcraft three was a good example. Like you couldn't buy the frozen throne expansion and then, and just install it on your machine unless you already had the uh, OG Warcraft 3 installed. It just wouldn't work. Um, and you could do that, but I mean, these days, that's kind of handled more through DLC than it is another game altogether. So that's 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 what I'm curious as to what's going to happen with, with this whole thing. Um, the other thing, too, that's different about this is Materia, and Summon Materia in particular, but um, the, uh, the original Final Fantasy VII, you have to be careful 
because essentially the more powerful materia that you uh, slotted into your equipment, uh, it could have a detrimental effect on your uh, base stats. Uh, so if you have all this super powerful material equipped, like your hit points are going to go from like 4,000 down to like a thousand or whatever. Um, and this game doesn't do that so much. I mean, there's, um, in fact, if anything, some of the material that you equip actually benefits you, um, either by adding hit points or magic points or, or whatnot. Um, but it certainly doesn't really reduce it. Uh, and then there's some material is also different in that each character has one summon slot at least up to the point where I'm at. I'm about 11 hours in. I'm, I'm getting ready to start Chapter 8. Um, and each character has one summon slot um, that can that can hold a summon materia. And then the way the summons work is you can't just summon it whenever you want to. Uh, your summon actually has to um, start building up. Once you're in a battle that is particularly lengthy and it's taking a while, then your summon meter starts to build up. And then... Um, whichever characters are equipped with a summon material, you can switch back and forth to, to summon whichever one um, you need to at the time. Uh, then you summon it, and then it comes out, and you actually have a little bit of control over what the summon does when it's out. Um, and it's on a limited time frame. So you'll see it start to count down once it's out. And you can control uh, what it does with certain abilities and things like that. And then before it leaves, it has one massive, like, big attack that it will launch before it leaves the battlefield. Um, and so that's that's a new mechanic, but I think it makes sense uh, now that we're in more of a real-time battle strategy uh, situation rather than a, a turn-based. Yeah. So I don't know. There's a lot of things you can do. It's 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 challenging problem because um, obviously the the whole thing here is they need to make money to continue to exist as a video game company. But um, yeah, you got to make it like fun for the players because you know a lot of the things that I remember about this whole you know genre and game period game time period is all the bullshit that I didn't want to deal with. Um, you know, so grinding and stuff like that, if they're reducing that great, I mean, some, some amount of grinding I'm fine with, like that exists in modern games today. Um, I just don't want to spend my whole life doing it. You know, like that's a mechanic in Zelda, honestly, uh, breath of the wild. Um, you do have to grind because your shit breaks now. Um, which I mean, means kind of, I mean a little bit, cause if you but, want but, new shit to fight with, you got to go kill some mobs, you know, but like, there's always the stuff to, there's always stuff to do when you're yeah. doing that though. It doesn't feel like you're grinding because you're like, Oh, well, I'm going to go do this shrine or I'm going to go do this thing or that thing. Um, and then, you know, the, the killing of the mobs and, and the looting of the treasure chest and whatnot, is almost kind of like a side effect of what you're already doing. Yeah. Uh, so, it doesn't feel like you're just intentionally roaming a map. Yeah, you know, just just to do this thing. Final Fantasy, especially, I I remember playing Final Fantasy seven and just being like, well, I gotta get the next level so I can get this thing, and and so you just literally walk around until you find a mob, you know, because those that that also had the the downside of having random encounters too, um, so you couldn't really fight a mob and gain XP until you you know found a random encounter. So, anyway, you got anything else on Final Fantasy? Um, just get it. I mean, if you're a Final Fantasy uh, fan. Or if you're new to the genre and you may have been turned off by, you know, what your what your you know previous experiences with the JRPG is, uh, this is not that. So if you're looking for something new and different to do, Final Fantasy Remake is going to be probably. Uh, I don't know. I it, it would. I'm not seeing a lot of negative things about it on social media and whatnot. And I'm, yeah, I, I'm seeing some. Um, most of them are complaining about the fact that it's not the full game. Um, but honestly, this game is probably going to be 
I'm going to say between 30 and 60 hours uh, to do everything. And then that's, I mean, you're paying 60 bucks for it. If you can, if you can justify a dollar an hour for enjoyment. And that's 30 to 60 hours where they rip out a lot of the bullshit. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd say that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And to be honest, once you're done with it, there's also new game plus mode. There's hard mode. There's, there's lots of other things to do once the main, the main game is done. And if you just want to kill some time, there's an easy mode that basically makes the battles almost negligible and and not impossible to pass just so you can play through the story if you want to. It's a lot like uh, 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 Fallen Order. Yeah, nice. Like that. So I do want to remind everybody, this is a PlayStation 4 first title. It is not necessarily completely exclusive to uh, the, the PS4 box, but it is PS4 first. Uh, so you're not going to find it on Steam uh, right now. Uh, or Xbox or anything like that, but it will it will be coming. Um, the other thing I wanted to add is uh, I downloaded the original Final Fantasy VII on my Switch uh, several months ago because I was like, well, this this whole remake thing's happening pretty soon, so I want to play the original game, um, you know, before before it happens. Uh, and I was really down on myself about not having finished it. I think I'm probably uh, maybe halfway through what would have been disc two. Yeah. Um, right now and and i was i was really hard on myself for not having finished it before this remake came out and then i found out the remake is really only like part of the first disc anyway so i'm still gonna have plenty of time to finish the og one before the uh the, the sequels happen so there you go all right speaking of old games and the remakes um <laughs> uh so uh i'd heard about this a long time ago like most of you and so i'm sorry for all of you that have played this got bored and moved on but i want to talk about doom uh, the game Doom. Uh, that is Doom 2016. So a brief. You, you did talk about it last show too. We, you, I think you just started it. Yeah. Um, I got more to say. Uh, unsurprisingly. So the, a, a, a <laughs> brief for a yeah. I know. Uh, uh, I know. Shut up. Oh, I have a podcast just basically because I like my own voice. Um, so. Well, someone's got to. Yeah. Oh. Okay, uh, that's mean. All right, it's fine though. Um, so Doom. Uh, so I should mention that uh, Doom actually plays a huge part of my formative years as a, a, a tech nerd, you know, sort of enthusiast person. Like, in fact, some of my first memories of like actually getting into the nitty gritty of computers more than just like turning them on and playing like fucking Oregon Trail or whatever um, is uh, me getting my first PC, which was under spec for Doom. It should not have actually ran, and the way that I made it ran, run, ran, and and run at any sort of thing playable was to mess the hell out of my you know like config.sys and autoexec.bat of the day uh you know so when i was like i must have been 10 there nine or 10 um you know really digging into how we're talking like windows 3.1 i i played it on dos just straight up dos really windows like anytime i went into windows i was like ew windows like why would you want windows you can always like you gotta go you gotta like click through the if i wanted this i'd get a mac yeah no. <laughs> i was always like you just you just type cd games and then go to your doom directory like well, who the fuck needs a like you gotta click through all this shit like uh um yeah, that should give you a telling about like where I would end up on the technology spectrum is that like I was the first like command line snob, you know, at like nine or ten. Um, but anyway, obviously, yeah, I, man, I have to click on it. That's so dumb. I was going to use a different word, but then I realized that's not the preferred nomenclature anymore. So 
so doom uh so i've I've been playing doom 2016 um this is the remake this is actually one of the best lauded of the series so as many of you most of you probably know uh doom the original came out and then sometime later doom uh two came out doom three came out i want to say in the early 10s you know which is a good 15 years after the original one i want to say doom the first one came out in 94 95 um and doom three was really not super well regarded I honestly don't know. I didn't. I didn't play it. Um, did you ever hit that one up? You know, honestly, I was more of a Dark Forces guy. Fair enough. Um, so I never really played Doom Three, uh, but I did jump back into Doom recently. Uh, Rise and, of the Triad too. I played a lot of Rise of the Triad. Oh yeah, Rise of the Triad was fucking cool, man. Uh, <laughs> I love that that game. Um, I also got into Hexen for a while, but that was that was way too old school gaming to really talk about in the modern times. But anyway, um. So I've been playing Doom 2016, and we talked about it a little on the last show, and I, I just, I really enjoy this game. Like, uh, um, I've been impressed by how much it sort of gives you that, like, nostalgic feeling, but also how, like, just, uh, you die, this is one of those games where you die a lot, but when you do some shit, it feels really cool. And and chances are I wouldn't die so much if I didn't suck. Um, so there's probably a lot of, like, gamers out there that will be like, what do you mean you don't, you die a lot? Why do you die? Um, it took me a little while to realize all the things that I can do mechanic-wise to keep me alive and do different cool shit. But, like, it's got this, like, really good mix of, like, um, providing you with mechanisms to get ammo and health in the gameplay mechanics. So, like, you know, uh, if, if you've played Doom before, you know that iconic chainsaw, right? Um, uh, you've, you've played Doom, right? Yeah, yeah safe to say okay so in the original game uh I, I don't know i think the chainsaw yeah the chainsaw was doom one um but yeah. anyway when you got the chainsaw it was mostly just like oh cool more gore we get to do you know more wicked shit because that was most of the mechanic in that first i mean the best gore you could get with like 8-bit graphics where it was just like a blob of red that would hit the screen yeah exactly um uh and the you know for its age, it was novel in that first-person shooters really hadn't taken over the market the way that they have today. But um, uh, there wasn't really any sort of like mechanic to the the uh, um, the chainsaw in the first game that was really uh, amazing here. In this game, the chainsaw has been reimagined a little bit. So number one, the chainsaw does basically function as a one-hit kill. Um, so it is a really powerful melee. You can use it on on uh, when you've got to clear out a couple of guys. But they've also done something really smart here. Two things that are really smart. Number one is that the chainsaw now requires fuel. Um, and uh, like, like a normal chainsaw does. Yeah. So uh, you, you can only basically get three slots on that. So you get three uses of the chainsaw. Uh, um, and it seems to me that the, the fuel provision is dynamic. So for example, it's not just like you're going to find a fuel drop anywhere. I think the fuel only generates when you need it or uh, something along those lines. Um, second, um, uh, when similar you... to how like in some of those older uh, first person shooter games, if you're using like shotgun, uh, your enemies would drop shotgun shells rather than whatever other ammo they could have dropped or whatever. Yeah. Um, so th this isn't an enemy drop. It's just like it'll show up in the environment sometimes when you need it. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the way the original Doom worked anyway, too. It was like it was just a random, like it would just be like floating in the air or whatever. Some, some I think some of it was, but I think mainly you got ammos uh, or ammunition um, 
just based on like they, they you just you'd always know you were walking up to a boss because you'd basically go into a room that had like every fucking type of ammunition uh, um that you had you know access to weapons up until that point um so that's the other kind of cool thing that still exists as a thing too like you can you just go find ammunition throughout the world um i guess it could be dynamically generated but i'm not led to believe that so far because there's a lot of like what i've discovered um not discovered i, I mean they tell you this in one of the tutorials is that like um as you progress through the game you pick up new and better weapons you upgrade your skills and stuff so on and so forth like that and then it tells you you can go back and play those levels with your upgraded shit um so i was always wondering like i thought for a while i like i might have just missed something really really fucking obvious because i kept seeing ammo types that i couldn't pick up and then you know more ammo types that i couldn't pick up and then all of a sudden it clicked it's like oh those ammo types are there because now that I've picked up those guns, I can go back and play those. And now I've got ammo for those guns, you know? So basically if you want to go feel like a real big badass, you can go back and play through those, you know, whatever boss levels or whatever, and go fight those enemies. Um, but yeah, anyway, digression. So the short story is ammo, uh, the chainsaw. That's the other mechanic with the chainsaw is like you hit the guy with the chainsaw and now they drop ammo. Um, so if you're getting a little low on ammo and situations are getting desperate, you bring out your chainsaw, you light a dude up, and then all of a sudden you get an ammo drop and you can extend your, you know, playability. Because in this game, ammo is a somewhat somewhat scarce resource. It gets bet uh it, it's a little bit difficult in the early, early game because when you run out of shotgun shells, you're stuck with a shitty little pistol, which is the the only advantage that I can tell is that um uh you don't run out of ammo for it. Um but as you go through the game, like you get better uh, uh, weapons or more weapons. Um, so, you know, you may run out of ammo for your plasma rifle, but you can still switch over to the regular old assault rifle, um, which is actually better, I think, than the plasma rifle. But don't at me. Um, uh, so there's just a lot of mechanics in the game that make it fun so and make it challenging, too. Like my play style changes quite a bit depending on what weapon I'm wielding, because uh, the other thing you can do is level up weapons. So, for example, you might have the combat shotgun. But um, depending on which mod style you choose, you can get like a, a, a burst mode, which basically is like three quick shots in succession, which might be what you want when you're fighting, you know, a singular big bad bad dude. Or you can get more like of a grenade launcher style. Um, I tend to prefer the grenade launcher style, so I go with that. Um, and, I, you know, when I have to switch to a weapon like the assault rifle, that's a different, you know, sort of like down scope sort of. Uh, call of duty style you know you shoot at people that way it also changes quite a bit too because um you know this is very much a run and gun sort of game like uh, uh movement here like if you stand still for like a second you're dead basically like mobs just swarm on you non-stop uh, so that's a very you know it it has this very eclectic feeling but I, I feel the way that they lay out the weapons and stuff like that makes it really a lot of fun like um it was a little bit annoying to me at first because i kept expecting like on most PC games, you know, like shooter games, when you hold down the right mouse button, you're basically looking down scope, which means you get a little bit more accuracy or you get more accuracy and maybe a little bit more damage. It's uh, actually why I prefer playing like the Tomb Raider games on PC, the modern Tomb Raider games uh, yeah. than I do on console because uh, I can just, you know, right click my mouse and shoot my bow and arrow with a reticle wherever I want instead of yeah. having to try and do that with a controller. Yeah. Um. So even on the controllers, like that's a common mechanic, like Call of Duty. You know, I don't, I don't remember exactly the control mapping, but it's usually something like hold down, uh, uh, you know, one trigger or the other, and that looks down the scope, and then the other trigger fires. Yeah, but that's a whole different dynamic than actually just 
being able to point your mouse. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, so much. I, oh, the feeling wise. And yeah. I, I'm not trying to be like an elitist PC gamer, like dominant race kind of a thing, but like, Oh no, this time you're totally correct. Like any, anytime I have to play any shooter game, like I would vastly prefer playing it on the PC. And I, I actually struggle these days. Like I can't remember what I was trying to Oh, even playing last of us, you know, going back to last of us and trying to play that on PlayStation with fucking analog sticks is, is difficult for me. Um, there are a lot of games that I like to play with analog sticks. Like obviously fallen order. I pick up my controller that's hooked to my PC and I play it there. Um, mostly there. I'm just playing it because I get better frame rates and quality and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, um, I like playing that game there because, uh, um, I like playing these types of games with a keyboard or mouse because the controls are so accurate. I'm just talking about the general mechanic of like, you know, at first it was confusing to me because a lot of the times there's like a look down the scope mechanic, especially in shooters these days. It's almost a trope. Like, yeah, you hit that, you hit that scope button and you get more power, more damage. And so like when you're just firing from the hip, that's just like a, you're fucking up like you forgot what you're doing sort of mentality and then you're basically gonna die um that's not a Valtrum with doom it's still very much like a you know right click is your primary action um in fact only one or two guns that i know of so far maybe there's more mods that'll help this because i think the the assault rifle is the one i'm thinking of that's got a down scope mechanic where you right click and you get a scope out of it um but the down scope mechanic is almost one of the least helpful mods that i've found so far because it also slows down your movement and like i said in doom you just you have to keep moving so yeah you mentioned uh the weapons are upgradable and that was the other thing too that i meant uh to mention about final fantasy 7 remake is that your weapons in that are actually um 11 hours into the game i've only got two swords for the main character right and one of them is the og buster sword and um you when you level up you require um sp i assume that's a skill point i haven't actually paid attention to any of the tutorial things that pop up uh, <laughs> uh i'm right there with you yeah but uh you know the more sp you accrue the more you can assign those to different things um and unlock different abilities with your weapon add materia slots and whatnot so that is another mechanic to the to the game that's uh unique uh for the final fantasy 7 world it's uh I think in the original Final Fantasy VII, you go through your series of all these different weapons, um, and then I think you get the Buster Sword again later on. That's it's more amped up and and beefed up because it's kind of like the iconic the iconic weapon of that that game. Uh, but anyway, uh, upgradable weapons is a nice touch for for that game, and and I'm sure for Doom as well. It, it's probably uh, almost more fun than just having to pick up something else. Yeah. So the BFG. One last thing I'll talk about before we leave this uh, and go on to something else, um, which is me, just a, a story about how I'm dumb. Um, the uh, uh, So one of the things that I like about this is that the way the mechanics work out is that um, when you're desperate, like when you're dying, it's not like my, my general mode in these types of games is like run and hide. Like so Call of Duty forces this a lot too. Like when you start getting bloodied in Call of Duty, um, you know, most of the time it's like, will hide behind a thing or run away and then you just you know take a few breaths and you're hit hit uh you regenerate your health yeah yeah that's a that's another sort of semi-prevalent thing in um shooters these days or even in last of us you know it's not that generous of a mechanic but you run away and you heal um 
you know, or you try to hide quickly and you heal. Um, this game, that's not really the case. In this game, what you want to try to do is fuck something up as fast as you can. <laughs> like, uh, so in this game, rather than healing, you need to kill something quick. Like, so whether that's a, you know, you, you hit him with the, the uh, uh, chainsaw and regen some uh, ammo so you can actually shoot some other guys. Or if you do melee kills. Uh, um, so another concept here that I didn't mention is that enemies drop health. Um, so as you kill enemies, they drop health points. Um, so you're taking damage pretty much all the time. Um, well, I don't know if it, maybe if you're super good, maybe you're not taking as much damage, but you're taking damage pretty <laughs> much all the time. Um, but the thing is that basically as you kill enemies, they drop health. And so they have this concept of uh, what it, the game calls glory kills. So basically when you drop an enemy to a low health, um, rather than just you know popping off a uh you know final killing shot um you can melee them and then you get the uh uh bonus health drops and stuff like that so um you know it's it's a fun strategy because like the thing with doom is like you want to feel like a powerful badass who's an ultimate fighter and stuff like that and the game does that very well and and i think this is one of the ways that it does that is that like it's the exact opposite of the strategy of like every other shooter game um or you know most of the shooter games in the modern era which is like you don't run away and hide like you need to get the fuck back in there and you need to kill something quickly uh um so you don't die um and that informs your strategy too because there's a lot of game um a lot of games actually do have this mechanic, which is that you fight a big bad guy that's also got some minions around it that are basically distracting you and taking pot shots and stuff like that. Uh, so you have to figure out a way to deal with those. And and Doom, a lot of the times, those little fucking distraction guys are like, oh, those are health depots. Like when you start thinking about that, it, it changes the way you play the game quite a lot um, because a lot of the little simple demon shits are like pretty, pretty, uh, um, um, they move a lot. Uh, words family i guess they move a lot and so you have to you know figure out how to kill them but a lot of the times melee is the easiest way to do that and then if you do it the right way a couple melees and then you basically got a health drop so uh super super fun game uh it should be noted and obvious at this point that i am i i'm looking forward to doom eternal um quite a bit i think when i beat doom uh, 2016, which I, I I think I'm getting pretty close to the end for. Um, I'll probably be looking at that as one of my next big game purchases. But um, yeah, that's another thing. It, it should be no, uh, probably obvious to most people listening at home at this point. But a lot of my game buying is not you know first day stuff unless uh, uh, it's something I'm really truly passionate about. A lot of it is like I wait for a Steam sale or something like that. So when I bought this game, it was probably like fifteen dollars. Hard hard agree. Uh... Final Fantasy VII Remake is probably the first day one game that I purchased in uh, a long ass time. Um, I got Jedi Fallen Order uh, for Christmas because my wife loves me, um, and that's the closest to a new game that I've had in a long time. So yeah, um, that, that fell into a, a the passion purchase category for me. I did buy that one, I think, and I mostly don't. I don't think I re- yeah I don't regret that it was it, you, I, you had it a few weeks before I did because it was it was definitely a, I think it was a late November drop and I didn't get it till yeah. Christmas so I, I I really enjoy that game and uh like we talked about I think when we discussed I think we discussed this on the podcast if not maybe just text but I am eagerly awaiting any sort of expansion content or the next uh, you know announcement about the sequel or whatever that I can get out of that so um all right here's the part where I'd like to be telling you about uh what the gameplay for days gone is like um so days gone is a post-apoc survival game set in the pacific northwest um i don't know much more than that um i've 
very briefly looked at this game a few times and I've considered purchasing it, but it wasn't quite one of those like, oh, I need it right now games. So I've just been patiently waiting for it to go on sale. Uh, It's on PlayStation, I think. Uh, Well, I mean, that's definitely the platform I got it on. I think it might also be on Xbox, but it's not. uh, um, I I don't think it's on PC because otherwise I would have just waited for a PC version. Um, But anyway, the short story is. Well, the long, the longish short story is. Um, so I'd like to be telling you about that right now, uh, because I bought it on Saturday, but I cannot because the other thing that I did on Saturday was leave it at the store I bought it at. <laughs> uh, it was, or at least I'm pretty sure I did. Um, so the the particular store I went to, um, is you know like sort of a games in the case situation. You have to purchase it in the electronics department. And then uh, they bring you up right there and then you do your regular bullshit shopping or whatever. So I did that. And this is like a, you know, semi superstore situation. Um, uh, so I, uh, you know, bought the game, went and bought the rest of my bullshit and then left. And so what I'm not quite sure is if when I left, I did, I forgot to put the game in a bag that I already had or if I just left it in the cart. Uh, um, or if when the cashier was shuffling things around, he, you know, set it off to the side because he was setting things off to the side and bagging strategically and whatever. I don't know if it just didn't make it into my bag or whatever, but the short story is I didn't bring it home with me on Saturday. So after much, much searching and disappointment, uh, that I'd spent, you know, $20 on this game that was half off, um, uh, I could not find it. So I do not get to tell you about how good the game or bad the game is right now. Um, hopefully by next week, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Cause again, very up my alley. I I'm kind of a sucker for all things post epoch anyway. So we also started late too, because um, when I called, I, I bought the, the game in a store that's not in my town. Cause I live in a tiny little town and I commute from work, but um, I bought the game, left it, called the store back, basically figuring like, ah, I'm super fucked. There's no way I'm going to get this game now. Uh, called them. And I was like, yo, you got the game? Uh, I left it there, and they were like, well, there's this game in our go-backs, and that doesn't make any sense because we keep them behind a lock case, and there's no way that that would happen. Um, so I was like, yep, it's probably my game. And they were like, well, do you have a receipt? And I was like, it was with the game. Uh, don't know where that is. They were like, okay, well, do you have your debit card? Okay, cool. And I was like, okay, so super important, though. I'm not planning on coming back there until I go to work next uh, in two days. Can I come back and pick it up? And they are like, oh, yeah, sure. Just bring in the card you paid with. Show up today, it was not that simple. It took 25 minutes uh, after waiting in line and discussing with you know various people before they were finally just like, okay, yeah, obviously he's named like three people that work here in the exact situation and scenario and stuff like that. Uh, he probably knows what he's talking about. Like, I was lining out every single detail of my shopping experience that day, and they were like, okay, yeah. And so they finally just like, yeah, okay, I'll give you a copy because they could at least verify that much, so... Next week. Yeah. Next um, week. And then last in the video game section before we move on to some other tech nerdery bullshit. Um uh I really would like to have my computer back. Um I uh uh my son, my my youngest son has hit the Minecraft phase. Um many of you parents out there know that phase well. Um at some point your kid will become interested in Minecraft. Uh it's not as bad as drugs. In fact, it encourages creativity, and overall, it's a pretty good thing. But it has the same general effect in that they become sort of semi-addicted. The problem with Minecraft is not the actual playing of the game Minecraft. It is the countless hours your children will spend on YouTube watching other people fucking play Minecraft. 
A fucking men. So there's that, and then my 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 particular child has the knock on effect of being like, Dad, did you know that if you get a redstone and you kill a zombie and the zombie has redstone or blah 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 blah, like just like every it's like Minecraft facts all day long. Um. Uh. So anyway, he's been playing this game previously up until now on the PlayStation Four. Um. Which works out good for me because I don't play as much on the PlayStation 4. I'm mainly living on PC when it comes to gaming. And there's only, you know, a few occasional forays when I want to go play on a PlayStation. Uh, uh, Usually it's some exclusive title that I can't get for PC. Then I go play it on the PlayStation 4. Um, But then he, like you mentioned, watched some fucking YouTuber who was like, oh, you can only do this thing on Java Minecraft. And then, of course, he's smart enough to figure out that Java Minecraft only exists on PC. So he's like, Dad, can I play Minecraft on your PC? And I'm not going to lie. Like, this is the point where I'd like to be like, of course, son, I love you so much. I'd be happy to sacrifice for you. And here's my PC. Have fun. Um, But I actually made some bullshit up. And I was like, no, it just it won't work, buddy. You can't play right now. (laughs) And And I stalled for like a good week because I knew it was coming. And so what was coming is that this is not I don't even know if I'd call this my computer anymore. Um. For sure, for sure, right now in lockdown mode with no school, he plays more on my computer. He spends more time on my computer than I would in any given you know month, let alone uh, in a couple of days. Uh, uh, so yeah, I just really like my computer back. Um, yeah, my my kids aren't allowed to play on my computer. That's that's just I, I share it with my wife um, begrudgingly because she gave me her actual tower to use as a server for things. Um, so I actually have two computers upstairs at my desk, one of which used to be hers. Uh, and the agreement was that if she needs to edit videos or photos or whatever, like she can use mine to do that. Um, but the kids, no, no, that's where dad accuses pornography and you can't be on there. <laughs> um, it's 2020. We just stream that. Um, yeah, it- mostly. I, I mean, that's, there's not even actually anything on there, but uh, it's things that we make up to tell our children, no, you can't play on our computer here's the thing i i uh want to do that but uh it's basically the only place he can play like his brother is not going to give up his computer and we don't have the dearth of pcs in the house that you do um so that leaves me back to where we are today fortunately you've given me a a, a tower complete with cpu ram and um a hard drive as you know uh, uh so now i was gonna I'm- say didn't they give you like a a fourth gen i7 yeah yeah, that's that's got to be something for for Kellen or Jackson or one of those. Yeah, so that's where we're at today. So the main problem is, is that, of course, PCs need peripherals. And I do notably need a video card and a power supply with that setup. If you're following a home, uh, uh, following along at home, um, computers won't work if you can't turn them on. Uh, you, you can donate an NVIDIA 1660 or higher. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, head over to the Patreon because my kids need to play Minecraft. Um, no, uh, we still haven't. We got to set up the Patreon. Otherwise, these plugs aren't going to make sense. Um, so the short story we, is... We've been talking about doing a Patreon longer than we've actually been doing the podcast. That's probably, the funny part. Probably. I think Patreon was incorporated and then we are like... Uh, a day later, we did a podcast and yeah. Anyway, uh, so... Here's where I'm at. Uh, I've decided that it's time to build the boy the PC. You know, we'll we'll shuffle things around and so on. And so the first shuffling is like, I, I want a different monitor setup. Um, so I'm still rocking 1920 by 1080. Uh, uh, on my I I do have three monitors, uh, uh, two 1920 by 1080s, and then the other one's uh not that 
I can't remember. I'll have to check. But uh, it, it's an old, old monitor. Again, I picked up from you because you were like, I don't need this. And I was like, well, I guess that's my Twitter monitor now because um, that's basically <laughs> all it does. Is, it's the one you have it. spun sideways with, with just nothing but a, a Twitter scroll. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, I do occasionally put something on there, but uh, number one, having the sideways viewing, the viewing angles on this are quite terrible. Uh, um, uh, but, you know, I don't really have any real serious need for that much screen real estate. I mean, there's but, probably a reason I gave it away. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the thing is here is I'm like, well, um, I think it's time for a new monitor. and And so I'm looking around and I'm like, uh, so on the Mac side of things, I'm hearing all these things about like, you know, 5K displays and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I can't possibly buy a Mac if I can't buy a 5K display, you know, a Mac Pro without a 5K display. And I'm thinking, man. Some of us don't have $30,000 to drop on the new Mac Pro, though. Yeah. And and, and number two is like the Apple Cinema displays of, of yesteryear are still like $1,000 displays. And I'm just straight up not going to spend $1,000 on a monitor. I wish I could. In, in fact, if I had the money, I probably would, because that's the time I think I would really enjoy it, but I don't have the money. So, Man, I want to say like Asus makes like a $250 4K. Like, depending on what you're looking for, like I think you can get one that's like a 24-inch that's that's a it's, it's 4K. I don't think it's 120 hertz. I think it's only 60, but it's, I mean, it's it's hcdp 2.0 so it can actually stream 4k content so there's a couple of qualifications that i had roughly one is that i want bigger and two is that i want more pixels and so what i have to be careful about here is that uh that's a deadly combination in terms of like video card stuff so i have a 1060 six gigabyte card it's no slouch right now i can play basically it it's perfect for 1080 gaming like um you can get this card or an equivalent for probably about a hundred bucks these days, you know, maybe 150. Uh, but you're basically going to be able to play everything at higher ultra on t- in 1080 gaming and still get 50 or 60 frames a second, which, you know, I, I can basically roughly consider that my baseline right now. Um, so that's the one thing um, uh, is that I have to, I want to find something that my monitor can reasonably well support. Um, the second, er, not my monitor, my, my video card can reasonably well support. The second thing is that I both want bigger as in terms of, in terms of size and bonus points. If I can re- reduce a monitor or two, like what I'm kind of looking at is I, I, what I'm really looking for, I think, is I want to go ultra wide and I want to just have one single secondary monitor. So one monitor that can roughly fill out the same screen real estate which isn't going to happen because uh um you know like i said with my video card setup uh uh to 1920 uh, you know 1920 times two is a uh, uh, a lot of pixels and there's not really that i know of um a let's see 1920 that's what a 36 3640 by 1080 there's not a 1080 you know that configuration um you might find a 3640 by 1440 configuration but again that basically doubles the number of pixels per inch which means double the processing power required which means it's not really doable so what i'm looking at i think uh, i also went on a foray into craigslist for a while um and i was looking at a, a couple of like used models that were basically like around the uh 2560 range by 1080 which is a reasonable compromise like i was playing with like the um just sort of screen resizer in uh uh, firefox 
um, you know, you can set, you know, basically adaptive display and figuring out what 1920 looks like. And I could get by with that, um, even though it's not a doubling or exactly the same amount of screen real estate. I'd be happy to just have one contiguous screen. Um, but yeah, uh, that that turned out not to have panned out. And that same monitor is, you know, a little, little bit over budget for what I'm looking for. Um, so yeah, the short story is I need a new monitor and I wish it were cheaper. That's probably the story of my everything. Yeah, I've got a I've got a 28 inch Samsung that's a 4K, but it's not a 4K. <laughs> Word. I mean, it is, but the problem is it's uh it's not H. What is it? HDCP? Is that is that the? Well, it depends. There's a couple of problems too that you run into this with. Um... So mine's not a 2.0, so I can't hook my Apple TV 4K up to it and actually have it stream 4K because it just says that the display won't won't do it. Um. It's a 4K SDR monitor. You either run into a couple of problems. One is HDCP, which is like uh, copyright protection, basically, which is like you won't be allowed to stream unless you support this, you know, particularly cop- a particular copyright yeah, it's a, protection. It's a standard, yeah. Yeah, like you may be able to get like your basic ass Windows display to show up on that monitor, but if you want to put iTunes content or, you know, many, many, many equivalents, you won't be able to do it. Um uh, the secondary thing that I found out a lot of the times is that uh, um, I was actually watching a Linus text tip video the other day um, and he was laughing at somebody because they had a ridiculously good display, um, but they hooked it up using HDMI rather than display port. And apparently HDMI couldn't push the refresh rate, you know, that that monitor could actually do. So it was kind of like hilarious because it's like, well, what are you actually doing? You know, like still using a VGA port or something like that these days. I, I use I use DisplayPort when I can. I've got actually both my monitors take DisplayPort, and my my 4K actually has two HDMI and a DisplayPort input. But so I think I th- I think I'm still using HDMI on both of my main displays because uh, that's what those displays support. Um, but yeah, that's another thing that I would like to upgrade a little bit on is um, going to DisplayPort because um, I also have underutilized like my card has. Um, I want to say six different outputs. Um, display port HDMI. I don't think it has DVI anymore, but yeah, it's it's got a ton of different shit. I, I actually, I, I would I would bet that it's got at least two Display Ports, an HDMI, and a and a DVI. It, it's got at least four. I have at least four things hooked up to it right now because I've got those three aforementioned monitors, and then off to my right hand side is uh, just a regular ass cheap TV. Um, that occasionally I will, you know, throw a YouTube video at or something like that. Um, or if I'm watching a movie, you know, it is, it is fun just to see that on a bigger screen. Um, a lot of the times, so I'll throw it over there, but, um, it's obviously not the best fidelity, but yeah, whatever. So I have, I have an old, uh, uh, NVIDIA 980 Kingpin from EVGA. That's got uh, three mini display port, an HDMI and two DVI on it. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't use that card for much anymore because even though it was like a six hundred dollar card when it first came out, it it doesn't do what I want it to. I mean, I, it can play games decently. Um, the problem is, is I use my video card when I'm um, uh, re-encoding video files and whatnot, and it just most of the software that I use doesn't use the Nvidia cores to do it on a on an older card like that. So yeah, computers are stupid that way. Um... Well, I mean, cost-wise, uh, that's what I was saying. Like my card, I I, I want to say I spent uh, a couple hundred bucks, probably like two thirty, two forty on. Um, but yeah, of course, that's not what the um um 
thing you know it's not what it costs today and you can't buy that card anymore but you can buy equivalent performance for probably quite a lot cheaper so i'm, I'm running a uh 1660 ti uh which is essentially it's a 1060 uh but instead of the pascal processor it's got a touring in it nice uh so it's it's got the same the same C or gpu as the uh uh, 20 series cards from nvidia but it's it's just a it's a lower end but i mean for what i do that, that it's a badass card yeah i mean like i said i'm playing everything i want to be playing right now at acceptable frame rates and stuff like that but i want bigger and it wouldn't hurt if it were you know higher higher um that promotion display on my fucking ipad pro it has kind of ruined me for looking at displays now because um, it's 120 hertz display on a fucking ipad yeah uh, um, so, you know, 144 Hertz wouldn't hurt, um, bigger certainly wouldn't hurt, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so speaking of, uh, uh, let's move into, you've got some less boring shit to talk about. What, what, what do you got in there? Apple watch five? Is that a thing? I, that's a thing. Also, uh, the other thing too, that I did recently was, um, I, you know, I talked to you several weeks ago about using my Mac more often. Uh, I've got a, a 2012 model uh, Mac Mini that I souped up with uh, 16 gigs of RAM and an and a SSD, and the fucking thing just trucks. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a tiny little tank, um, and I and I like it. And my wife's been talking about getting a MacBook for a long time, but she's never used Mac OS. Um, so actually, I, I moved it downstairs to to her desk and i have it set up so that she can actually start getting some experience with mac os before we decide whether or not we want to actually pull the trigger on a macbook are you recording on that right now no oh, okay no because i don't have reaper uh for mac yet oh, and yeah, yeah yeah gotcha yeah uh, it does exist for mac but yeah it I does it does have it. And, I, and i think i can i think um i have to look at my license to see if i can actually just download it for mac yeah um, or not but uh, I don't have a setup yet. I've never, I've never set it up to do any of that. But uh, um, in fact, I was thinking actually we might look at doing that and maybe even just try using uh, GarageBand if we're both using a Mac at some point to see uh, how that works. Because I know you can combine the streams in GarageBand too, and I think it's it's also it's free, so we can we can check that out one of these times. Yeah. Uh, but um, so anyway, she had her first experience with that, and it, she was like, "Is this thing running slow?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, it's a 2012 computer, so it might be a little slower, but." Mostly what she was doing was using uh, Microsoft Excel. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, it's a lot like using iTunes on a Windows computer. Like now you're using Office on a Mac. <laughs> like you're always going to run into some things here and there. But uh, so we'll see how that goes uh, once she actually has some time to, to sit down and, and use it a little bit more. But uh, um, I like Mac OS. I'm, I'm getting used to it now. Uh, the biggest thing for me was getting used to the fact that I had to... Uh, uh, change how I view scrolling because it's it's uh, inverted compared to Windows. You can change that it's still a setting. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense to because really when you think about it, what you're doing is you're trying to get your content to move up when you're scrolling down. You know what I mean? So you're scrolling the content, you're not scrolling the scroll bar, and that's that's the part that that confused me at first. But it actually makes more sense once you get used to it. So here's how I use it. So I use um, so now that there's a um trackpad and mouse support on the ipad you also have this option in, in mac os terminology they call it natural scrolling which is what you're talking about it's basically inverted like when you scroll the mouse wheel down you expect that the uh, uh page scrolls down that's how it works on windows 
and hasn't changed at all. On Mac OS, though, um, because you're usually using a trackpad, it's basically like you're pulling the page down, which actually has the inverse effect. Uh, um, you can change that if you want. And so what I do is when I'm using a scroll wheel, like on my iPad, because I use a mouse attached to that, uh, um, I keep that off. So they call it natural scrolling. I turn it off when I'm using it on the MacBook Air. Um, so I, I'm using, a, I want to say, a 2014 MacBook Air. Um, when I use it on the MacBook Air, I leave it on because there it makes sense. Then it feels like I'm actually moving around content versus like, oh, this just doesn't feel natural to me. So like inverted scrolling, if I'm using a scroll wheel, I, I switch the other way around. I want it to feel the same as it does on Windows. Um, but when you're actually using a trackpad or some, something like that, yeah, it is definitely the way to go. No, the biggest thing for me originally with Mac OS was not uh, the scrolling. The scrolling I can get used to pretty quick as, as long as I'm doing it regularly. The biggest thing for me was that uh, it didn't used to be that right click was enabled by default. Oh, it that is for was, sure now. The, I think Yosemite and, and beyond are it is. Oh, no, but... it's, as long as I've been using the Mac, you can right click. Um, that's going back to 2000, 2008. Like, I think my first Mac OS install was Leopard. Yeah, I, I just remember on some of the some of the like my my friend's computer that I was doing some work uh, doing some freelance uh, web design stuff, um, and he was having me use a Mac, and I had to actually go in and enable it before it was before it would work. And he was like, "No, you just do this and this and this." And I'm like, "No, that's well, I, I need right click. Like that's so, my thing." Yeah, um, right click on Windows has been a thing since at least '95, probably before. Um, uh, uh, in macOS world, like their thing was always, we got to keep this as simple as possible. You don't need a right click. Um, and then of course, context menus proved themselves to be super, super useful. So then it became, oh, well, like you can control click them um, to hold the control key down or hold the command key down and click. And then you could do stuff. And it's like, well, how much more or less discoverable is that? And then of course it's more confusing because no, um, uh, Apple mouse that I can think of in, in recent memory has actually had a physical right click button. So it's like, well, if you press down on this side of the right, the mouse, it'll, it'll click that way. You'll get a context menu. Um, so same thing's true today. Like if you use a magic mouse, there is no left or right. It actually way over engineered rather than having two separate buttons. You have one singular button, but it knows where your finger is at on the mouse because it's got a touch surface on it. So it right clicks based on that. So there's, there's there's a few places silly. where where Mac OS doesn't meet my normal standards like and there, and it's really trivial fucking stupid things but like if I want to lock my screen when I leave like it's a three button sequence to do that instead of like Windows where it's like Windows L yeah um, it's, what's it's really like, gonna bake it's, your noodle is it's that Control that. Command Q is it, what locks it. What's going to bake your noodle is that that's a relatively new addition too. like when I the last time I used a Mac for a while, that wasn't a thing. So I, I want to say up until I the last one, I up until Mountain Lion, at least, you know, so before they switched from cats to California landmarks, um, you couldn't even like I had to define my own custom shortcut hotkey, something or other to get it to even lock my Mac with a key press. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just one of those things. And I mean, is it enough to make me hate Mac OS? No, it just isn't what I'm used to. And But there are a lot of other things too that are like, uh, I think I texted you about my printer. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a relatively old laser printer that Windows 10 barely makes a driver for. Um, and it was, it was a process to get it installed uh, 
on my windows machine and then when i was like oh, i wonder if i can make this on my mac it was like a five second deal where it's like yep here's your here's your printer we're, we're good to go yeah so that's definitely been my experience as well like if you want to plug something into a mac it's either going to work immediately or you're going or you're going to have to do the same amount of work you would have to do on windows well, and it's a network printer too, so it wasn't even like directly connected to it. It was like literally the wizard was that quick though. It was like, okay, I'm gonna scan your network. Yep, here's a printer. Okay, we're good. Do what and you need to do. That got a little bit better with Windows 10 in the most recent builds, but it did. But this 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 laser printer is way old. Same same. So I have it's... I, I've been using the same probably i don't know eight or ten year old laser printer in my home for ne for a while now so i've had to you know install that bitch across many different configurations mac os though each time it's just like you want to print okay we're good windows is always varying degrees of bullshit um this although i will say the most recent install which i had to do to print cards against humanity was not bad like i just i clicked it and it mostly just worked um and guys if you're looking for a printer you just need a black and white printer. I'm going to recommend in every scenario, just get a laser printer. Yes, the supplies are more expensive initially, but your print cartridge, your your toner cartridge for a laser, it's going to last you so much fucking longer than an inkjet printer that in my case, and probably at least I feel confident speaking for this, is going to dry up in an inkjet printer long before you ever use it all. I bought toner cartridges. I've had like, I just said like eight or 10 years. Like I, I bought this printer a long ass time ago. I bought toner cartridges. This was the second time. Like I ran out of, I ran out of ink on this cards print. And this is the second time I've ever had to buy uh toner. And the good news is toner doesn't expire. Um, no, so I, it'll I mean, sit there in the drum until you use it. Yeah. I mean, maybe at some point, like if I let it sit there for 30 years, I'm not expecting it to work, but, uh, um, for the, you know, especially as I, I print less and less frequently, like the reality is like that toner lasts me basically forever at this point. I, I mean, if you, if you're only printing occasionally, like you have a higher chance of your operating system, no longer supporting that printer than you do of your, your supplies going bad. Now, <laughs> Apple watch five, we can talk about that. Uh, cause I bought one. Uh, yeah. I'm, I I gotta say I'm jealous because my my series one um is is aging itself out pretty quick here. No, that's the thing is I had a I had a series one as well. Uh, the thing about the Apple Watch series one is not that it can't do most of what I need it to do. It's that it is really obvious that it's not running a CPU that's anywhere near what modern stuff is. So when you when you get a message and you click on that little status bar notification, it, it takes it a second to pull up your message. And sometimes the, the most frustrating thing is if I get a message and I'm just trying to scroll up to, to get to dismiss is I'll scroll, I'll see dismiss and I'll hit the screen, but it's not ready for my input yet. And it, it actually responds with not right now or, you know, something like that. You know yeah, what I mean? Or, or, you know, I think a thing that it does for me is like, it's scrolling, but it hasn't responded properly, so you hit the wrong message or something like that. Exactly, um, exactly. It, it's a very click. Uh, uh, you know, I haven't had this problem with phones for a long time, but it was like that, um, especially in the early iPhone days. Like as those processor advances just kept absolutely leapfrogging I, themselves. I think like, you can say the same thing with any uh, with any any touchscreen phone. 
of modern history like any 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 of the older models like they've always had that it's a little bit laggy when you're scrolling and so you end up hitting the wrong input it just it's it is what it is i mean it it was fine but at some point you know a, a, an update basically screwed it um that changed i think around the i want to say iphone 6s 7 era like um i was still using an iphone 7 last year and um it was fine like honestly uh, there there wasn't anything that was really forcing me to upgrade other than that i got a really good deal on an upgrade uh um but yeah same thing like now between my ipad pro 10.5 so we're talking about 2017 model and my uh, 10s max which is again last year's model uh um just i just never have to think about like waiting for lag in my device so that's the thing i'm i'm like i i've even considered just going to a series 3 because from what i can see it's just so notably improved in the uh uh general you know like uh day-to-day usage performance etc so anyway tell me though like what else are you what else are you getting out of this what 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 are you digging about it so far the amount of content on my watch face has doubled you know on, on your typical your typical watch face you got like the time and then there's maybe a thing that you can do within the, the actual clock part of it and then there's your your complications that you have around uh the the exterior of your phone um, I have eight complications now, as well as the time. Yeah, so non-Apple parlance, that's basically like tiny little widgets. Oh, widgets, and, widgets, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, complications took me a while to understand when I was first looking at the Apple Watch, but it's basically like in one hand, uh, one corner of the screen, I've got like a little icon I can click that takes me right to an app. On the other corner of the screen, I've got another icon I can click that takes me. It's got a notification for my messages that takes me right to messages. And on the bottom, I've got a very brief like ticker of like what's my most top priority task I want to complete today. Yeah. So mine, mine, I've got. I can't bend my wrist that way. <laughs> I was going to say I can't see that at all, but I get what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. The infograph. I think the inf- that's the infograph probably on the on the five. Um, I don't even know what it's called. Um, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, you this though. You can cram a lot of stuff onto that screen, which is really cool because it is a screen. Like it's not a real watch. Like you can put whatever the fuck you want on the screen in software. It's um, a little um, computer. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the uh, things that I actually do find some somewhat disappointing about the Apple Watch in general is that like it feels like I could be doing a lot more shit with that little screen. So one of the things, yeah. So this is this is what's nice. Number one, it displays color way better. Yeah. Um. And, and that's it's it's bigger, um, only by two millimeters, but it's bigger. And then, um, so I've got like my around the around the outside, I've got my Overcast app, I've got my activity app, my you know my fitness app, I've got my weather, and then I've got the UV index. The UV index is only there because I literally don't have anything else to put where that's at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I just, so I didn't change it. Um, and then in the center of my watch, I've got my calendar, I've got my messages, I've got my workout app, and I've got my um, Apple Music app. You know, and it's it's so everything I want to do is right on my watch, uh, which makes it nice because if I'm driving and you know I don't want to look at my phone, but I need to change what I'm listening to or whatever, I can do that from my watch face while I'm driving. Um, it's less distracting that way. Um, it's buttery smooth. I don't have that that input lag that we were talking about at the beginning. Um, and on top of that, it's got the um, electrocardiogram app as well, 
which you can actually you calibrate it and it takes your pulse and all that kind of stuff and it will actually alert you if you're like oh you're going into afib like you have an irregular heart rate it'll it'll tell you any, any of that stuff uh thankfully it hasn't told me that yet you know but um lots of lots of cool stuff i'm, I'm really happy with it uh emmy is super happy because uh, my oldest daughter because i told her a long time ago that if i ever got a new one that she could have my my series one and for her that's you know she's badass now because she's got her apple watch um i, I do gotta share though um you text me uh, a picture. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny you text me a picture of the the watch face that she chose and it's just literally the numbers of the time like yep uh, I think I even remember it was like nine. It looks like a 1980s alarm clock. Yeah, you sent me, and I think it literally just says nine over five four. You know, nine fifty four. It's a little bit stylized, but it's still very funny because uh, you were you were like, but it's a smart watch. You can put you can do all these kind of cool things with it. And she's like, I got purple. It's purple. I like purple. <laughs> yeah, it's what I need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's. So- it's it's funny uh but no she likes it and it's it's neat because we we both like <laughs> the sound is not turned off on my watch um and it only ever has been because usually i turn it off when i go to movies and then i just don't turn it back on i forget oh, see you that's know what I mean? funny that's funny because the sound i i turned the sound off on like the second day no probably the first fucking day i had it taptic like i'd never had my phone on and I never have the sound on my watch. I, see, I don't have sound on my phone ever. But like on my watch, I like I I never hated the sound on my watch. I just didn't have it turned on because like I, I think when I bought my watch, I was going to watch movies in the theater quite a bit, so I just would turn it on silent mode, um, and then I did never turn it back on. And um, and so uh, w- both of us now, she doesn't have her sound off either. So then, like if a, if one of us gets a message, we're like we're both like, you know looking at her checking our watch to see who it was <laughs> but uh it's cute jada's jada's now holding her breath waiting for casey to get a new watch because you know that's the uh, next hand the next down yeah yeah because when i made that promise to emmy jada didn't even have an iphone so giving her an apple watch would have been useless anyway so i i, I told emmy yeah you can have it when i get a new one and so now jada's like i'm the only one that doesn't have one <laughs> but awesome yeah yeah we're having that similar moment of jealousy when it comes to computers. Um, my daughter doesn't care as much about not having a PC, although she did express interest. Like, oh, you're building a computer? Oh, I need a computer. Um, uh, but m- meanwhile, the other son is just like, Dad, when do I get my computer? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel you. I get that. You know, Ellie's got a brain on her shoulders, though. Like, you should, you should actually, like, when you build it, you should have her do part of it. Well, so that's what I'm I thinking. think she'd probably actually excel at that. Number one is I, th- I think I'm going to uh, make participation be mandatory on this. And secondarily, I think this is actually not going to be so much uh, one kid or the other's computer. I think it's going to be like kind of a, you know, like family sort of situation. Um, I, uh, you know, no, no disillusion here. I know which kid's going to spend the vast majority of their time on it. But I also know that uh, L, you know, on occasion will, you know, uh, snake some time in on my computer because there's some games she likes to play on it and stuff like that. So. Uh, Amy and Jada each have a computer at their mom's house and um, Jada's was really like really behind the curve and whatnot. And I had a bunch of old components laying around the house and whatnot. And so I I asked, you know, their mom, I was like, is, is it going to be a problem if I help Jada build a new, a new computer? And she's like, no, I don't care. 
you know, so Jada came over here one weekend and we, her and I together, you know, put everything together and, and built it. And, and then uh, we finally took it over there and uh, it worked out for their mom because actually um, I was like, Hey, you don't have a computer. I can take this to my house. I can replace some parts and whatnot and, and make it a new machine and you can have a computer. And she's like, cool. So I, I brought it home. Windows 7, uh, they never did actually take away the free upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 10. So a Windows 7 key will activate Windows 10. I did that not too long ago, actually, too. Which is which is nice. And uh, so I, I swapped her old school hard drive out with like a, an SSD that I had and, and added some RAM to it. And it's it's a brand new machine at this point, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like I've been saying, like processors hasn't been the limitation for basic tasks for a no, very, very long time. It, it, I actually got into a discussion on Facebook the other day uh, with somebody who was saying, well, it's just not worth the expense for an SSD. And I was like, bullshit. It's the only thing that is worth the expense. And it's not oh, even it adds, that big absolutely. of a deal anymore. It's yeah. it's the only thing. It, CPUs at this point, like I could be running an i3 versus my i7. And I'm not going to notice that difference nearly as much as the software behind the scenes is. But if I'm running an old spindle hard drive versus an SSD, I will notice that shit because it's going to take me two and a half minutes to boot my computer versus, you know, 15 seconds. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like the booting the computer thing even is like an antiquated way to look at it, I think, because I don't know about you, but I don't shut down my computer. Like it goes I to don't, sleep. But, but I do update it sometimes and it needs to restart. Yeah. And that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that part can be more or less painful. Um, but when it just comes to like basic ass tasks, like, your any modern processor when i say modern i mean probably going back to anything with like two or more cores like even 2010 you know core 2 duo i think was a thing still then you know like anything going back that far if you got an ssd and a decent amount of ram you're probably all right uh, well and i can even tell you this like if you're running like a plex server like you and i do um you know ssds are cheap enough now that you can actually cache your your transcode directory to an ssd um, it's going to kill your SSD a lot quicker than like a normal, uh, you know, computing, everyday computing would. Uh, but the only alternative is to cache it to RAM, and it, which is totally fucking easy to do if you have enough RAM to do it. I run 64 gigs in mine, so I can cache mine to RAM. It's no problem. If I was running 16, I would cache it to an SSD. Yeah. I mean, you can get an SSD. Like, you can get 256 gigs for like, ah, I want to say $50 now. Less. Yeah, I mean it depends. And, and like, if, if you want to like run like like a SATA, like do a two and a half inch actual like drive, you're gonna pay probably thirty forty bucks for a two fifty six. I I usually use NVMe's that are PCI Express, and they just actually like they just attach directly onto the board. Um, those are more. I mean, those are sixty bucks, but you're talking sixty bucks for you know hours like. If you use your computer every day for a month, it's going to save you literal literal hours of waiting time for things. Yeah. Hard agree. Um, all right. So let's move on. Uh, so I got some more quasi Apple news. Um, I'm, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I just thought this was cool. And number one, because I was thinking about this like uh, uh, a little while back, because I think around the time that uh, Tim Cook announced the first donation of uh, N95 masks, for whatever reason, Apple was sitting on somewhat of a stockpile of N95 masks, which are, of course, the masks that are super effective for medical professionals and the ones that actually really, truly do uh, a lot to stop the spread of corona. Uh, N95 is pretty common. They use those in a lot of places uh, because if you don't need a respirator, 
uh, and in '95 we'll actually filter out whatever else is is yeah, hanging out. So the prevalent the prevalent theory is that Apple has these because uh, last year, of course, the thing we were dealing with was massive wildfires in California, and so uh, even in Cupertino, um, where Apple's based, um, the the smoke and things like that were effect having effect. So Apple bought a whole fucking bunch of at least again speculation. Uh, you know, I I don't think they were like price gouging and stuff, but the the, the going theory is that they bought a whole bunch of these and they were like okay, well, donate masks. And I was like, well, that's cool. But uh, Apple's got like a bajillion dollars and they've got one thing that's more important than probably all of that, which is like their actual smartphones. So like for a while, I was like, who do I even tell? And then I was secondarily, I was like, well, somebody's already got to be thinking about this. And then uh, the the answer is, yeah, they were already thinking about this. And so they came to the same conclusion I did, which is that like for this to be effective, they have to work with Android. And so what I'm talking about is um, Apple and Google are teaming up to make a COVID-19 exposure tracker. Um, so they're going to put some sort of software on your phone that will allow you to opt in to track uh, um, whether you not, whether or not you've been exposed to somebody with COVID-19. Uh, so that means, of course, COVID-19 uh, uh, patients, people who have the virus or have gotten had have had the virus will have to opt into providing that information via their smartphone and then via Bluetooth and a bunch of other smart technologies. When you pass by each other, Apple and Google will be able to tell you whether or not you've been uh, exposed to COVID-19. It's a really cool piece of technology. I will say that uh, as a privacy nerd, it could be very, very frightening. But generally speaking, I trust Apple with my privacy. And the thing is, I'm pretty confident they're going to do this in a smart way. Number one is, from by all sounds, it's opt-in. Number two is that um, it's all anonymized. Um, so that that's that's the way that you need to do this technology. And what I you know would really be concerned about is if this were like the government constrict constricting uh, conscripting. Fuck conscripting these companies to do it uh but this is apple and google teaming up to do this thing and what seems to be an entirely altruistic measure so that's all i really got on this it's a cool move um i, I thought of it first just for the record uh, i will not get any sort of credit because i did not write that down or document that in any sort of way but i did think of it first uh and when i say think of it first i mean i probably thought of it a month after they were already doing this but it, it's a cool idea and i'm glad to see it coming about so i got two things on this uh one is uh, in terms of privacy, uh, it's 2020. If we're using technology, we're trusting someone with privacy. Uh, you know, um, so whether it's Apple or Samsung or whatever, whatever else we're trusting, like we're trusting somebody. Uh, I probably trust Apple more than I trust Google at this point. Uh, I, in fact, I altogether have stopped using Chrome on any of my machines. I'm only using Firefox now because of the amount of bullshit that apple just keeps data on or not apple google sorry um so that being said uh the other thing too is i read an article about uh, tim cook talking about how he was actually allocating apple resources in in uh um terms of manufacturing uh to try and and uh, expedite the process of manufacturing ventilators and respirators and things like that as well so uh good on apple for I mean, being there there's you One know. thing that Apple's got, it's uh, incredible engineering talent and um, supply chain resource. So, uh, yeah, that's another thing. Uh, um, that that was out a while ago, so I didn't throw it in there, but I'm glad you brought it up because, yeah, that's another thing that like I'm, I'm happy to see them doing because they are uniquely situated, especially with their relation to Chinese supply chain, which is, let's be honest, folks, that's where all this is coming from. You could be all like, ooh, Chinese virus and be all racist about it, but 
they're building all of our shit, guys. Like that's that's the world we live in today. You know, it's it's funny the surgical masks and gloves and a lot of things that we get uh, in our you know in me- the medical industry. Um, one of our suppliers at work, the 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 lady that runs our supply depot, basically, you know, she was like, "Hey, most of this stuff comes from a little town right outside of Wuhan." Anyway, like that's where it all comes from. So. <laughs> It's, I mean, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, uh, Apple doing their part, Google joining in. It looks like, uh, you know, and, and again, no ill will to, to Google. I mean, Google is what it is, but I just don't want to use uh, their product at this point because it, it tends to retain more of my information that I'm comfortable with. And like you said, I think I'd rather trust Apple with some of that stuff because they do try and, and keep a little bit of anonymity in a lot of things. Yeah, that that's what makes me feel a lot more confident about this particular partnership is that if they have to do something that's cross-platform and so on, it basically has the same base technology. I have a lot of more faith in it that um, Apple is going to make sure that it uh, maintains privacy focus. That said, I, I, do, I do think that at its core, um, Google probably does want to do the right thing here. Um, so, uh, I'm pretty happy to see this. I think there's a lot of companies out there that probably don't mean to do harm specifically, or, or don't have malice in mind when they're doing the things they're doing. I just don't necessarily agree with the amount of information that Google tends to keep. Yeah, for sure. And that's, again, I don't think they probably, they're only trying to make money and, and a lot of it goes to advertising and things like that. But I, I just, you know, it is what it is. And I'm going to pick the lesser of two evils every time. And in this case, it just happens to be Apple, which I haven't always said. So <laughs> for sure, <laughs> that's... All right. I'm going to hit you with a couple of quickies. Uh, um, so first off, power toys for windows is back sort of. Um, so when I say power toys, um, you might remember this because this first exists. He's not talking think... about vibrators folks. No, not yet. Anyway, stick around for the after show. <laughs> um, 1998 uh windows 98 rather i think started the power toys or maybe it was even windows 95 power toys is a part of oh my god what was it called um there was an additional thing you could download or buy not download because it was 95 you could buy for windows the um special pack thing i can't remember god damn it um but anyway you can download power toys for windows now it's got a lot of cool basic features uh um this is not going to change your Windows life, although some of it really does. Like, for example, I can press uh, Control-Win on my computer right now, Control-Windows key. And then rather than like an Alt-Tab, it, was 95. it, gives, me a, yeah, it gives me a typographical interface uh, that I can I can literally just type in a search box. And it's going to find any open window that I, I type with that. So I can search for Reaper, and it's going to pop up a Reaper process for me uh, rather than... Uh, um, you know, just having to alt tab 32 times before I get to the right window, um, which is really nice for those of us nerds. You know, this is why it's called power toys when I'm on my machine. Like I've got 40 fucking things open basically all the time. I don't close browser tabs anymore unless it's like, Oh, I never need to look at this thing again. Like I pretty much 40, almost always got, you know, 30 or 40 browser tabs open on my desktop somewhere. You know, usually I group them by window, um, but this makes it really easy because it can sort those things there. Um, there's a lot of other features of this that I'm not going to get into right now. I'm just going to say go check it out. I will warn you in advance, 
Um, this is like 0.016. The version number is 0.016 on this. This is still very early. You have to get it as a GitHub release. It's not like on on the Microsoft site anywhere. Um, there's a few things that are like that. They also, I, I think we talked about this a while ago, but they released a, a, a modern command line replacement for, you know, cmd.exe uh, or whatever, um, or even PowerShell. It's that level of thing right now. So it's not something that I come to rely on on my day-to-day workflow, but since I'm just using my computer at home, it's cool. Um, next thing I'm going to hit real quick is streaming setups. So I've had the opportunity to uh, take a foray into figuring out how to stream the shit for um, fun and games this last week. Uh, and so I have a few pieces of recommendations for you. So number one is... Get some sort of mixer where you can monitor with a mix minus. So I have a pretty old, at this point, Behringer 802 uh, uh, mixer, which is an 8-channel mixer that has no um, USB on it. it. It's very, very analog. But the downside is, is you can't do a true mix minus on that. So what that means is I want to hear the mix in my headphones, but I don't want to send that out to record. Otherwise, what I get is I get, um, so like, for example, I get Matt's track recording into my recording right now, which I don't want. I only want to be able to hear my PC. I don't want to record it back into my PC. I don't want that looping through. I don't want to hear Windows sounds looping through on my PC. Um, so when I record, I do everything on, on headphones anyway. That's the, you know, the way that most people do it. Um, so you don't accidentally hear, you know, some Windows notification popping through on your thing. Um, but what you want to be able to do is is do a mix minus uh, to record that. So first recommendation is don't buy that mixer <laughs> at this point. If you're doing a podcast, um, it's a cheap mixer. There's other better options out there. I'll try to find some links to put in the show notes. Uh, I, I, think even, I think even the mixer that we use when we do this uh together uh isn't necessarily that great I and mean, it's also behringer but i think it's I, we only pay like 150 bucks for it yeah um, so our next upgrade and it think- is usb i mean that's the one benefit to it is it's usb so we have a little bit of control over it my biggest bitch with any of these things is uh a lot of these mixers don't actually have like any kind of uh, proprietary software that gives you any kind of direct control over the mixer. It's just uh, a general driver that you have to con- try to control through Windows, which is almost fucking impossible. So I will thank you for that transition because my next recommendation is, and in, in the next time we upgrade, when we do have a Patreon, this is probably going to be one of the first things that we buy with that money, assuming we get any, is uh, we're going to move to a USB pre setup. So you get a USB preamp, um, which allows you to plug your microphone into there, your headphones into there, and then basically you get monitoring out of it, and you can also monitor the in- audio that's coming back through your headphones that way. Um, that That's definitely the thing that we're going to be doing, I think, the next time we have some real money to kick around to this endeavor uh all right so i'm gonna move on next thing you need when you're streaming is something to stream with uh so uh um, for this i've been looking around a little bit and what i've come up with is probably the thing that basically every streamer uses and that's the uh open broadcast uh broadcasting software project so obsproject.com um this is actually surprisingly capable in a way that i can't believe it's free um you can do all kinds of shit like that with this like for example out of the box you can set up scenes so for example if you're streaming a game 
you can do that thing very easily where you have the game as the main display of the video, but then you have that lower, you know, lower third where your video is the thing. It's really easy to do that. If you want to switch between inputs, so for example, you're streaming and you want to show different inputs on the screen at the same time, uh, maybe that's a leaderboard or something like that, or maybe you're doing what we're doing, which is I want to be able to switch between our, you know, video signals. Um, you can do that relatively easily. Um, and you can also configure that with global hotkeys. So if you just have a keyboard and mouse, you can set up a global hotkey, which will automatically switch between those things. So as you're going through on the fly, you can do all kinds of crazy, uh, cool editing things that used to be something that like cost a bajillion dollars that only the networks could do and stuff like that. Um, if you want to do green screen shit, like you want to have your own backgrounds, uh, maybe you want to remove the background from your video and then just have the game be the background, but still see your face on the screen. You can do that kind of shit. You can put up arbitrary vacuum backgrounds. It, it's just, it's very cool what you can accomplish with this software. So go check that out. And then I'm going to link one more thing here uh, before we close out a little bit. Um, that's the touch uh, portal app. Um, so many of you, once you get into the streaming world, know of this hardware device called a stream deck. Um, so what a stream deck is, is basically, it's almost like a keyboard and, uh, in that there's a bunch of buttons you get, you know, I don't know however many buttons it is because I only looked at this, saw the price tag and I was like, well, that's not really where I'm at right now. Um, but you get basically a bunch of buttons that you can also program pictures on because they have many LCD or LED screens, some type, some type of small screen in the, uh, in the keyboard. So on that stream deck, you get those, uh, uh, buttons that you can configure to do a whole lot of different things. This is obviously very useful when you're streaming, you're using OBS or whatever to switch between your scenes, your inputs. Um, so, you know, if you want to be listening to one person talk and see that being the predominant video, and then you want to quickly switch over to another person who's talking and see that being the predominant video, you can program the buttons on the stream deck to do that um, you can also do things like program the stream deck so you have a one button setup to switch all your inputs uh, change your you know exit a bunch of programs you're not going to want to be having uh, running while you're doing your podcast open your skype window open your whatever you know a lot of different things you can do um, so stream deck very cool very expensive though and i looked at that and i was like well that seems like something i could do on my ipad and so i found the touch portal app now what i will say is it doesn't seem as uh, I, i'm only barely digging into it and it doesn't seem quite as capable like it seems like a lot of the same functionality i could accomplish but i'd have to write a batch script for it uh but generally it doesn't seem quite as capable but the same basic functionality is there especially when it comes to controlling obs so like if i want to switch scenes if i want to change you know basic stuff like that i can do that pretty easily so there you go a link to the touch portal app uh is in the thing um it's free for basic stuff um it only costs a little bit if you want the pro features uh um and then one last thing this is apropos of nothing but i want to mention it because i just found out about it uh this this you know moving away from streaming stuff like that i'm pretty into the smart home stuff in that i'm very intrigued by it and i think it's interesting um so i, I put a, a link in there um i was aware a while ago that uh ikea Yes, that IKEA, because uh, how many IKEAs are there, was getting into smart home stuff. So I've linked. Give it, it in ten the years, notes. there's going to be like fifty girls in every grade school named IKEA. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> I think it's a little late for that. IKEA has been IKEA has been around for a while. Yeah, but I think the trend probably just you know. I don't know. When I meet a kid named Walmart, the, the pop culture um, idea of of naming people weird shit is is it, it's getting out yeah. there yeah 
especially with all these COVID babies we're going to be getting in December. Yeah, there are kids who have legit already been named COVID or Corona or something like that. And those to those people, I say you're idiots. Well, I'm just I'm talking about I'm talking about the the inevitable boom that we're going to get in in January, February next year with all the babies like they're going to need to name those kids something. And I think Ikea is going to be, you know, up there. They're going to run out of other chains. Yeah. Um, So anyway, I'm I'm throwing this in the show notes because it solves two problems I have. Number one is. Uh, so I live in an older house. What you quickly find is that if you want to install a smart switch in your house, that is not a bulb, you know, that you control purely with your voice, voice, but a smart switch, which basically turns any other switch, uh, any switch into something that you can both operate like an old ass light switch where you just flip up and down the little thing or a voice control thing where you yell at your, you know, Siri ball or whatever, uh, or, um, or your, your a word or your, uh, G home, whatever thing. I- I'm trying to avoid the trigger words. So I don't fuck <laughs> shit at home. Um, or so I don't order you something. Yeah. Uh, the, the downside is, uh, um, you can control those, uh, smart switches with that as well, which is very, very convenient because you have both a physical switch that you don't have to explain to grandma who's visiting how, you know, you got to yell at the Siri thing to do it. Uh, and you also have a, a, um, that capability, like, and so, um, the capability that you get with that is not just being able to yell at your, whatever, you know, tube thing is sitting on your desk. It's also automating it. So for example, wise now W Y Z E, um, has a very, very inexpensive line of home cameras. Yeah. I should help somebody uh, set up one recently. Yeah. Motion sensors as well. And you can, uh, uh, automate things like that through IFTTT. Uh, um, so you can very, very easily these days set it up. So when you walk into a room, light goes on when you walk out of a room or, and motions not detected for a certain or motions not detected for a certain period of time, light goes off. Um, you can picture all the kinds of ways that that would be helpful. You can also set it up. So like maybe you have to yell at the thing to turn on a light or use the switch, but if motion goes off in a room, uh, like say a bathroom, it turns it to 30% brightness. Uh, so, you know, you don't trip over the dog or whatever, but you can still pee without, you know, shooting at all. Without blinding yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm all for so that. I'm throwing this in the, the, the show notes because uh, this hits my, my marker for smart home technology, which is it's a company that I trust that is cheap ish you know so that's the other thing you can find cheap smart home tech that's manufactured in china by you know variety of things and you know wireshark that traffic and you may find out it's going everywhere to everything um but it's a company that i trust that's cheap um and uh has thought of a lot of these things so for example um the this line of products uh the one downside is you do need a gateway uh the the upside is this gateway thing. Uh, most of these uh, smart home products, a lot of them anyway, have hubs, and those hubs usually start at fifty to seventy-five dollars. Uh, um, this one is thirty-five dollars. Uh, not everything I think is even requ- you require a hub for, but most of it does. Uh, but the other nice thing is they've thought of a lot more stuff. So, for example, in my kitchen, I have a chandelier. Um, that's the main source of lighting, and not my kitchen, my dining room. I have a chandelier. That's the main source of lighting. It's got those little like teardrop lights with the tiny little screw ins. I cannot find a smart bulb 
anywhere else, but I found one through here. So for basically like $100, I can make my whole kitchen area smart in my house, which alternatively in any other smart home, smart home technology I've found so far would be upwards of $150 like, uh, or, or even $200 um, because for all of this stuff with no neutral wire in my old ass home – uh, um, which again is 70, so it's not ridiculously old. Say, your house, of older your house is a baby. Yeah. My house is um, 120 years old. Yeah, there's no way. If you have neutral wires in your house, I'll be very surprised. I do, because my um, landlord actually redid everything before. Oh, you had to redo it all? He did okay. it, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's the only other option, but generally speaking, in these older homes, you're not going to find things in neutral wires, which means every single switch you need uh in your house is going to be right now the minimum is about 50 bucks like there's one basically uh uh non-neutral wire smart switch i can find that's any good and that's 50 bucks and it also requires a hub as far as i can tell um so this this is a lot uh more powerful in general and a lot more convenient um, because you can get the lights, for example, that'll fit my chandelier. And they have a lot of other smart lighting solutions in here that I'm pretty impressed by. Like um, there's a lot of other things that I just, I don't see uh, very often that you can buy and that are also ridiculously cheap. Like it's like for a regular smart bulb, if you just want to shove something in a lamp, it's like seven or eight bucks. Um, but they also have, you know, like the newer style connectors that aren't in a lot of places like that uh, yet. But, you know, like in, especially in recessed lighting and new construction, you know, uh, they exist. Um, uh, they have those and they're also very cheap, like under $10. Um, but the other thing that's brilliant is you can get a remote control for all this shit. Um, so you get a remote control with like a two-year two battery, which you can just slap on the wall wherever the switch is. Uh, and then you can use that to control it, just like a regular ass switch too. So, uh, um, it solves all these problems. And again, that, that, the, the complicated version of this, uh, remote control is $15. Um, the, the less complicated, like you can get other things that are basically just buttons that you press them and it like press a button and you turn on cinnamon mode, you know, which is to say, turn all the lights to this color, dim them to, you know, 20% or off, turn on the, you know, remote controls, uh, or you turn on the TV and set it to the right inputs and stuff like that. If you have all that hardware, which fortunately on that front I do. Um, um, but, but again, it's just another thing that's just right now, uh, up until I saw this, I'd only found very expensive solutions. So I'm going to throw in a plug for the Ikea corporation. Um, God knows they need it. Uh, I don't know. Those those plucky little upstarts. Maybe they'll make it someday. We'll maybe, see. maybe. Uh, that's no. That's good info. Um, I'm gonna before we wrap up. I I wanna I wanna cover a couple of things. Um, one thing in particular, actually, uh, and I'm gonna soapbox it for for just a minute. Uh, Have at it. I've been doing that for like 20 minutes. This now. whole COVID thing, man. If there's one thing we can take away from this that's a positive is that. Uh, I, more companies are figuring out how uh, to keep people working uh, remotely uh, from their homes. Uh, let's not stop that when this when this is over, because there's a lot of things that people can do from home um, while still being productive for your company uh, without having to actually be traveling back and forth all the time to an office or whatnot. Um, as somebody that works uh, in in the IT industry uh, for my company, I. I've been in my office three times in the last two weeks and our, our business is not suffering because uh, I'm not physically present. I've been able to help people. Uh, I've been able to implement new technology and do different things uh, without having to go to the office every day. And I think this is a, 
a very good sample of what life can be like if businesses will stop being greedy and requiring people to be front and center and present all the time and just let them work. Well, I think on that front, we've got some good news because um, I have a, I, I, you know, in my own business, I don't, I, I can't really get into specifics, but there's a lot of things that we've upset in terms of what we considered the norm and what we couldn't do and what we couldn't go back on. And uh, um, I, I think that's true for a lot of businesses. Like the early tweets were basically like, you know, all those things we said we couldn't do. Turns out that's a lot of bullshit. You know, like all these companies that said, oh, yeah, no, we couldn't possibly have you working from home. Apparently you can totally work from home. Like that's turned out to be the case in thousands of different ways at this point. Um, and so the good news is I think a lot, I think society is not going to adjust back to the bullshit very well. Like, um, you know, the, the same companies that said, Oh, you couldn't work from home that have been working from home for the last six months are not suddenly going to be able to say with a straight face, like, Oh, you couldn't work from home. Like that, that won't possibly work. You know, we couldn't operate that way. Um, so I have a lot of faith, I guess in that front that we may see some positive out of that. Unfortunately, it comes at such a high cost, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it just seems uh, really weird to me that uh, we live in a day where there's so much technology available. Like, like literally, and I, and I've told people this at work for years now, we're in the 21st century. Like you'd think yeah. not knowing how to use a computer it's just not acceptable in this day and age. Like unless you're hiring somebody who's in their fifties or, or uh, older, that's, that's, you know, been in the workforce for a long time, but hasn't had exposure. Like there's really no excuse for somebody to not be able to, to, to have basic computing knowledge at this point. Um, and this is just one of those, one of those situations that, like you said, it's, it's really unfortunate how we got here. Uh, but now we're here. And I think going back doesn't make any sense. We talked about this a little bit uh, last week or two weeks ago when we when we recorded last time about movies, you know, and about, you know, are we going to go back to a situation where there's going to be 200 people in an auditorium watching a movie anymore? We don't know. Um, talking about Marvel uh, and, and their decision to pull Black Widow from the release schedule and, and move it to November now instead of instead of May. Um I'm not happy with the decision, but from a business standpoint, I think it makes sense because once this is all over, not everybody's going to be super comfortable sitting in a, in a crowded auditorium to watch a movie. But one thing that will get people in that auditorium is going to be one of those big popcorn blockbuster Marvel movies. Black Widow is probably going to be one of those. Uh, so I get it. Uh, but when it comes to business and whether or not your employees actually have to be out and about and in the office and co-mingling with other people who might be sick or otherwise, you know what? In a lot of cases, you can probably let them work from home. They're going to do the job. I've been doing my job every day. In fact, I almost have more of a guilt factor doing my job from home than I do when I'm actually physically in my office. Like I'm probably lazier sitting in my office than I am when I'm working from home. Because when I'm working from home, I feel like I have to show some kind of productivity to prove that it's not a waste of time for me getting paid to do what I'm doing. Oh, I think that's a very real thing for sure. Like, uh, I think that's the other thing too, is like, it tends to be like, if you treat people like children, they behave like children. Um, humanity loves to circumvent rules. So I think the more bullshit you introduce, like the more they're going to fight against it. So I don't know. I think that's a good place to leave off. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, I think we probably talked for much longer than we probably should have on a lot of things. And, you know, uh, whatever. It's our show. We do what we want. Um, all right, guys, that's been the show for this week. We, uh, like we mentioned at the top, we are at whatever show on Twitter or at whatever show on Instagram. We do have a Facebook um, presence, facebook.com slash whatever show. Yeah. Questions at whatever.co or sponsor at whatever.co. If either of those things are your thing. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. We'll see. I, I guess we'll see you next week. Do we got anything else? No. Um, I think probably the next thing you can look forward to from us is going to be, uh, uh, an Iron Man. I don't want to say roundtable because it's not going to be a roundtable, but I think it is going to be kind of a, we're going to watch that ahead of time. And then I think we're going to probably have it on while we record so we can kind of pick up on some cues and, and do like a, a, a watch along. Yeah. So we'll, we'll tell you when we're starting the movie, we're probably not going to have actual footage from the movie because, you know, copyright and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but we'll tell you when some, we're starting some sort of and, and some sort of MCU stream and we'll make, we'll yeah. make commentary on it and, and just thing. talk about, uh, our feelings. Um, I'm, I'm really actually kind of bummed that we didn't get to do it this weekend when we wanted to, um, just because, uh, it was Easter weekend. Um, and what is Easter about, if not for resurrection? Um, and some of us who maybe not, uh, maybe are not so religious and, uh, religiously inclined, um, we could still look at it as the, the resurrection of Robert Denny Jr. Um, and I thought that would have been really, really uh, poetic, poetic yeah. and funny. And we wanted to do that. Uh, it just didn't work out. Well, we'll just pretend when we record next week that we did it on Easter Sunday. And it, it's that's how it, exactly we did it. Yeah. So. Yeah. We can. We can, Yeah. We totally just cut this part out and then just lie about it the entire time. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next week. Later. <laughs>